Yo. What's going on? Not too much. So the start of this thing is still still strange to me, but there's no like introduction. It's just, all right, phone call. You're ready. I guess when you call somebody, you should just start. When you call me, you should just start the introduction, I guess. <laughs> eh, we'll worry about it later. Who cares? Anyway, uh, there's no one even listening, so it doesn't really matter. But uh, ladies and gentlemen, welcome on into talking about balls. I'm only doing the intro because I'll be putting it on uh, Podbean after this. But uh, this is Talking About Balls. I am Justin George, joined as always by Kyle Price. Kyle, what's going on? Not much, man. Just uh, watching my, my pennies and cents making some money. Oh, we're uh, trying to at least. Still watching yeah, the the, the Deutsche coin. Ab- absolutely. What's it doing? I woke today? up I last night. I, wo- I I woke up last night like two o'clock in the morning just to rebuy some because it dropped down to like twenty three cents. I think. Um, yeah. Let's see. Today we are up to. Oh wow, it's moving. It's up to thirty three cents now. It's jumped. Oh wow. It's Big had a day. pretty good day today so far. It is up 22 percent so there you go see how it goes aiming for a dollar right well we have been extra busy as of late and we haven't been able to do an episode in quite some time so there's a lot that's going on uh we'll try to get to as much as we can there's been an entire march madness for college basketball that we didn't discuss once because it, it was started and finished before we were able to do anything um Baseball season has started, basketball season's winding down, and with the trade deadline even, we haven't even done anything since the NBA trade deadline, which nothing too crazy happened, but it was there. And then obviously NFL, the big story, free agency is come and gone. Obviously it's still, you could still sign people, but it uh, it's happened. The draft is two weeks away. Uh, actually two weeks from today, the draft will be all wrapped up. So kind of crazy how fast time has gone. And a lot's happened, and we're here to talk about it. Well, we have been busy, haven't we? Like, every freaking weekend, I believe, we've had something going on in the last, like, Dude, month and a half. Birthdays, weddings, get-togethers, just random things and events, and people out of town, and this and that, and just nothing never ends. <laughs> never ends. Well, we're so special. That's why everybody wants us around to do stuff. That's why. That's 100% true. I agree with you. Um <laughs> part of the part of being famous i suppose (laughs) hey whatever you tell yourself i I believe you i i I trust you so it's okay uh i'll repeat this multiple times as we do this show just for anybody that's new uh we love getting comments and questions and stuff like that via the recording apparatus on this app uh the one thing i request keep it short people all right we're doing the show i appreciate you listening Kyle does as well. We appreciate the the comments, the questions, stuff like that. But at the same time, don't send us a a 35, 45 second question slash comment with just you kind of rambling about random shit. Keep it short. Keep it concise. If you have a question, throw it out there. I don't need a 45 second thing from a guy going like, oh, uh, yeah, I saw so-and-so sign this guy. I think that's good because of this and then that and then this and then that. And it goes on for a fucking minute. I don't have time for that. Here's my rule. The talking about balls rule of questions and comments and things like that from the from the listeners 
is quick. 10, 10 seconds. Get your point across. If you have a question, you can send in multiple, but be fucking quick. I don't want to sit here and listen to a guy rambling for a minute. I don't have the attention span nor the patience. It will be cut short. Just know that right now. Speaking of which, we have one. Let's see what happens. <laughs> hey, gents. Great to hear you on the airwaves again. Looking at the draft this year and the mock drafts, the Dolphins have three number one picks. I'm potentially seeing it break out to where they could get Pitts, Waddle, and as well on the backside of that pickup, Najee Harris, three killer offensive weapons. What do you think of the likelihood of that happening is? Uh, that's a good question, actually. Uh, we'll get into that event uh, towards the end of the episode. Uh, We'll, we'll, we'll wind up to that, but we're, we have a full 32-pick first-round mock draft. Kyle and I both do. Uh, we'll be covering every pick. Uh, we'll go over a little bit of reasoning on why we have a certain team picking that player, if you will. And uh, if I'm not mistaken. They have two. My, yeah, Miami, Miami only has two. That's right. Okay, I, I thought so. Um, I had to go back yeah, and look think, at my notes. <laughs> I yeah, like, I'm looking at my, my, my draft right now. I wrote it all out. Um, yeah. So, yeah, they have two picks. Uh, spoiler alert, I won't tell you who. I do have Miami going double offense. Um, so we'll talk about that when we get to it. Um, again, I'm a oh, straightforward mock draft. It's okay, though. <laughs> well, I mean, hey, that's the point of us doing this, to, yeah. to have different options. I thought about it. Our original plan was Kyle and I were going to do every other pick. But then I thought about that, and I'm like, you know what? On the fly, that kind of makes it hard because then we're going to have to cross off people and go back and, like, come up with other ideas. I don't want to have it where we're like, um, all right, I'm on the clock. Give me a minute. I got to look over who's left. I'd rather just be able to, like, rip through it. You know what I mean? I think so, we could take turns going first every other pick, though. You know, like, oh, I'll go first in yeah, one we'll, pick, we'll and you go first, pick. yeah. We can feel free to critique critique each other's picks, all that. Uh, go over, again, the thought process behind why a team is selecting a certain player. Whatever it is, um, but again, I'm I'm pretty straightforward with my mock drafts. I do, I'm I'm old school. I do the first like 20 picks, give or take. I pretty much go for best player available slash what a team really could use. Then they might reach a little bit, and then in any playoff team in the draft, I straight up just go pretty much best player available. Most teams in that situation, unless they're guys that are really close and comparable. Most teams that are consistently good, they just take the best player available. They don't look for a specific position. I know as us, us as Browns fans, we're so used to the Browns picking in the top 10 or even the top five so consistently that it's pretty easy to look at a specific player slash position and go, that's who they're taking. At least, you know, you have an idea. Whereas you can look at a team that's picking in the 20s. And I mean, look at the Browns, for instance, you have a team that really has still has some holes on defense. And there's, for me at least, it was tough to come up with who they would draft at 26 for this mock because there are four or five guys I could easily see them taking. So it makes it kind of difficult. Um, so kind of just have to roll the dice. But uh, but again, we'll get into the mocks and everything towards the end of it. Uh, I'm excited. This is a loaded draft class. I'm, I can't wait to be there. Uh, it was I'm hard. I'm not going to lie. I, I, went, I went back through and I changed. Like I wrote a list. And I put a couple ideas down and I scratched off and I should never write oh, in pen, but I, I, I always write in pen. 
I have chicken scratch handwriting. I write in pen as well. And I, I crossed off so many and went back and I have arrows going, you know what? I'm going to have this team take this guy. Yeah. And that team's taking that guy. And I was all over the place, but that's, well, I was, I went through each team and I wrote down next to the team, what, you know, what their needs were, what they needed to address in a draft. And then as I was going through and trying to slot people and, I, and I'm not going to lie, I looked at a couple other mock drafts that are out there just to kind of get an oh, idea. I, had multiple what, I, I like to get a what people were looking go like, sure. yeah. It's just my, my hand, it just looks my, looks horrible. It looks like I was taking notes in college again. It's, it's hard to read. Yeah, it's well, We, we got thing, a message. Uh, me... Hold on, we got a message. Yeah, go ahead. 10, 9, 8, 7, 6. Cut it out. It's off. <laughs> Didn't even give oh, him the 10 seconds. This will be any NASCAR. Oh, will there be any NASCAR talk today? <laughs> so it's, did you need, I'm not to, not to jump off of this, but the new update to this, it looks like, you can actually kind of read verbatim what they're going to say. Oh, no, I didn't even notice that. I, I haven't updated if, my app. If you click the message button, it pops up chronological. It also plays past messages, too. If it understands what it's saying or if it's a short message, it actually puts the words out there. Hmm. Interesting. Oh, yeah, All right, there and- it is. 10, 9, 8, 7, 6, 5, 4. We'll, we'll, be, we'll be at any NASCAR talk today. So it's not either, either it's not Chip perfect. doesn't want to speak or this I'm thing gonna has go trouble with deciphering. Yeah, I'm going to go with technology, probably. I'm going to go with Chip is the problem. Um, <laughs> that's just me. <laughs> Knowing him, he, he was probably he probably had breakfast at a brewery today, and he's slurring a little bit, and the, the technology <laughs> can't keep up with it. Um, uh, yeah, but uh, no, no NASCAR talk. This is talking about balls, and this is real sports. Nobody talks about NASCAR. Um, all right, yeah, uh, like you said, we, I, I looked at a ton of mock drafts myself. One thing that I always do – at least it's a personal rule of mine. I discredit any mock draft that features trades. Oh yeah, I, um, I saw a couple that were that had some like it's, mock it's hard trades enough in it. to to try to guess who a team's going to take, and then you're going to sit there and be like, "Oh, I have New England trading up to four, and I have this team trading up to seven. It's like, dude, it's probably going to happen. Don't get me wrong. I know trades in the NFL are crazy in the draft, especially because there's now. Um, the, the, the rookie salary cap. So it's easier for teams. They're, they're, they're more than willing to take a risk on players. Whereas back in the day, you take a guy in the top 10 and you have to pay him like a stout hall of famer. And he may or may not pan out. Look at the Raiders, look at the Browns, for instance, of just teams that swung and missed on so many top players and had to pay them a shitload of money. So yeah, don't get me wrong. I'm sure there's going to be a million trades on draft day or draft weekend in general, but to, to try to guess them in a mock, I just think it fucks the whole mock up because it, I just go one through 32. If the trades have already happened, obviously they're there. Um, <clears throat> so yeah, really quick. We'll uh, college basketball Gonzaga's perfect season spoiled by Baylor. Uh, Baylor, right? Yeah, it was Baylor, yeah. wasn't it? Baylor 86, yeah. Gonzaga 70. Yeah, they uh, smacked the shit out yeah, of Yeah, they them. beat the hell out of them. <laughs> uh, so Baylor Baylor wins the national championship for college basketball, ruining Gonzaga's perfect season. Uh, I'll be honest, I didn't watch a ton of the college basketball stuff because my bracket was pretty well busted early on. Well, and... after the first round, I gave up because after some of those losses, it's just I, I honestly yeah, believe, like, and I think we talked about this. I think the ranking system was just jacked up from the start. It was so off. Yeah, I mean, there were some teams that. I mean, I'll, I get it. They go off of your strength of schedule and, and, and stuff like that. But at the same time, you have teams that have like 10 more wins than another team, and they're the lower seed. And you're like, what yeah. the fuck? How is this team rated 
11th and they're facing a team that they're clearly, you know, record-wise at least better by a mile. And that team's like fourth or whatever. Like, yeah, it was all over the place. It, uh, I, I don't follow college basketball that much, to be honest. Um, I think the one and done rule kind of watered down college basketball. Uh, I liked it before where you could just come out of high school because obviously it's a gamble for, for the NBA teams taking a flyer on high school players. But at the same time, the people that are in college usually were there to kind of stay. They would go to college and they were going to play for a few years and they were going to really work on their, their craft and develop. Look at a guy like Carmelo Anthony. Carmelo Anthony went to Syracuse, won a national championship, honed his, his craft to get better where he could have come out at, you know, a year earlier or whatever, um, out of high school because he was in the same draft LeBron came out of Dwayne Wade. Same thing. Went to Marquette, uh, put the, put the school on the map on his back, did great, but he went to college. Nowadays, these kids, you know, they, they go to college for one year. A lot of them go to teams that aren't really that good. I mean, look at how many guys, again, I don't follow college basketball too much. I don't have a ton of examples to give you off the top of my head, but look at the kind of guys like last year. What was it? Anthony Edwards, number one overall pick by Minnesota. Uh, off the top of my head, I don't even remember what college he went to, but I know he went to a school that like didn't do much. So it's like you have these guys who are going to be the number one overall picks, and they're going to schools that they're, they're not winning anything special. They're not doing anything great. So it's kind of like let these kids just go right to high school or go right to the pros. I'd rather watch competitive college basketball with consistently good teams and and just like not franchises, but organizations, universities. I like like North Carolina Duke is always fun uh match up and always a good rivalry and stuff like that so let these kids make their own decisions and and i i think they need to go back to letting kids either go right out of college or i heard rumors of them trying to start some sort of new developmental league where kids can go play for one year make a little bit of money then go pro and i'm all for that yeah i think we've talked about this before in other shows but i i 100 agree with that i i believe that kids should not have to be forced to go to a college for a year. You know, they're not studying, you know, they're not in classrooms, you know, they're not doing anything other than playing basketball. You know, all they want to do is play basketball. So yeah, give them a, a league where they can go get money for them and their family and prove themselves and show that they're worth. And then NBA teams can pick from them, you know, kind of like a triple a of basketball, basically. Yeah. Especially, especially kids that you know, are only going to go for one year. Like <clears throat> what a waste of, even I, I don't want to say a waste of a scholarship because it's still going to go to an athlete who's probably not going to go to many classes and shit like that. I mean, I don't know. I was never a college athlete, so I don't know how it works. I just assume I assume these one and done kids, they're not there to learn. They know they're going pro. So it's not like they're there to literally go to class and do all that shit. So they'll just, do that later again, in their career. They'll, they'll have an MBA career, then go get their degree afterwards. Yeah, that's what <laughs> most of them do. They usually they go on to become financial advisors and they're really smart with their money and they make great life decisions. But uh but yeah, I don't know. I mean, NCAA needs to work on that. Uh, yeah. So moving on from that, we'll stick with basketball. We'll stick to the hardwood. Um, the NBA trade deadline came and passed. Cavaliers, as expected, traded Andre Drummond. Um, or I'm sorry, they, they bought him out. He's gone. They stopped playing him. Um, trade deadline was pretty underwhelming, in my opinion. I don't think many teams did too much to put themselves ahead of anything. I know the Nets took advantage of some buyouts good for them unfortunately the one one of my one guy that i enjoyed watching in his prime was lamarcus aldridge seeing him go to the nets was kind of exciting maybe he gets a ring his previous heart issue caused him to have to retire so that's kind of a bummer i mean the guy was just playing in the nba a month ago and now he's retired because of some heart heart complications so that's always a scary situation but 
Um, the Nets acquire Blake Griffin. The Nets are going all in. I'll give him credit for that. Um, I love how Br- Blake Griffin goes from uh, Detroit where he was like an injury prone, moves slow around the court, gets to, to Brooklyn, and now he's running all over the court like he's a young kid again. <laughs> Yeah, it's kind of funny. I mean, he was kind of, he was similar to that in even in Los Angeles. He was kind of injury prone and he's always had bad knees and shit like that. So, I'm curious to see if him coming off the bench is going to be good for him because obviously that's less, you know, uh wear and tear on his body. But at the same time, I don't trust Blake Griffin to stay healthy ever. So, if I'm Brooklyn, I I put that guy in some bubble wrap for a few weeks and make sure he's going to be healthy for the playoffs cuz that's a Definitely a concern of mine if I'm if I'm relying on Blake Griffin to be. Do you, you know? Do you truly think Brooklyn's gonna is Brooklyn gonna run away with it this year? I just don't. I don't trust that team. I don't. It's a lot of I players on that team, and I don't no, think I that mean, they're built to win a championship. No, I mean you got to think about it. You have you have aging Kevin Durant who's in his thirties. Let's let's not get carried away. He's still one of the best players in basketball for sure, but he's aging and he's coming off a pretty wicked Achilles injury, which those are hard to come back from. He he looks pretty healthy. Don't get me wrong, and. Uh, Brooklyn's doing a really good job of kind of monitoring minutes for those guys because Kyrie Irving as well, very injury prone. Uh, Then you have James Harden, who very well could be the MVP this year, which is great. He plays at that level pretty regularly and did so in Houston, but he is a known playoff choke artist. Let's be honest. Let's not kid ourselves. James Harden, he, he finds ways to lose in the playoffs, no matter how well he plays in the season. So we'll see what happens. I mean, I'm a little bitter against Brooklyn for sure because Kyrie Irving screwed the Cavs over, so that's a personal vendetta. Uh, Kevin Durant, the snake he is, joined Golden State and cost the Cavs a couple of championships. We probably would have beat those Golden State teams had they not had Kevin Durant. So I have a little bit of a vendetta against him as well. So I'm definitely rooting against Brooklyn. I also hate the... I understand I'm going to sound hypocritical in saying this because I'm a LeBron fan and I know LeBron has joined super teams and shit like that, but I hate the NBA currently and I hate the super team aspect of it. So Kyrie, Durant, Harden, Blake Griffin, uh, LaMarcus Aldridge, all these guys just joining forces in Brooklyn. It's just annoying. It just shows me that there's no competitive nature in basketball anymore. And it's pretty much just who can I team up with? It's like AAU for kids. It's like, let's just get the best of the best on a couple teams. And those are the teams we're going to see at the end. Yeah, kind of takes the fun out of it. We got a comment too. Hey guys, good to see y'all on here. I hope y'all are doing well. First of all, let me thank you for having a sports talk on here on stereo. Not enough of those going on, so thank you very much. Um, And then second of all, is it offensive that I think that the Lakers are going to win it all? You know, the Nets are obviously formidable. You know, probably one of the greatest offensive teams of all time, if at their full potential. Right, uh, but I still think the Lakers are going to win. Does that offend y'all? Uh, I don't mean to offend you if it does. I'm just kidding. I'm sure it doesn't offend you. God bless you guys. I'm so sorry. I'm so nervous. I'm so sorry, guys. Bye, bye, bye. Um, nervous Larry, living up to the name. I like it. Uh, thanks, Larry, uh, for the comment. And uh, no, not at all. I uh, I was actually getting to that. That's what I was going to say. Is I think overall you have first time head coach ever, Steve Nash. I mean, he just took the job over. Had zero experience prior. Um, Frank Vogel in Los Angeles is obviously a veteran coach. He's known for his defense. And I also think that playoff LeBron James, and again, just being a a Cleveland fan, I've seen this first, you know, firsthand for forever. Playoff LeBron James is a different animal. I understand he's not getting any younger. And one of these days, maybe he is going to show a couple slower steps. 
But uh, but no, I think the Lakers also could be. I still think that they're a, a, a serious contender for the championship, mostly because these injuries that they have, quote unquote injuries, it's just giving LeBron and AD time to rest. Whereas Brooklyn's still out there playing all the time. I think LeBron and AD have a nice camaraderie built up. I think that obviously LeBron James is professional enough and talented enough to where this time off's not really going to affect him. Um, they do have some losses on the team. Don't get me wrong. Um, I think losing Dwight Howard kind of hurt. They, they, they got Marcus Gasol. I don't think Marcus Gasol's panned out. They brought in Andre Drummond, which is an interesting dynamic. I'd like to see Andre Drummond play with LeBron. Um, because Andre Drummond is a little offensively challenged. He gets rebounds like a son of a bitch. He can block shots defensively. He's obviously a, a playmaker. But uh, I'd like to see them play together and see how LeBron plays with a true center like Andre Drummond. Um, I think losing Rajon Rondo is going to be huge. Dennis Schroeder's good. He's a better offensive player. But Rondo's defense last year, I'll never forget in the playoffs, watching the Lakers' defense – in the playoffs last year was fucking insane. It was mm-hmm. truly amazing to watch. Yeah. So that's something no, I, that's going to maybe bite the Lakers in the ass come playoff well, time. Is I think it's, a, I think it's all just working perfectly here for the Lakers. The fact that LeBron gets his freak ankle injury. I mean, you can count how many oh, yeah, times in one hand in his career that he's been out longer than one or two games. I just think it's like perfectly planned because they had the least amount of time off between the finals last year and beginning of this season. I'm not saying he's yeah, milking no, it, but he's probably milking it a little bit. Let's not. No, lie. yeah, I agree completely. The Lakers had the shortest off season. Uh, obviously, so did the Miami Heat because they those two were in the finals. And uh, but the Miami Heat, I think, were kind of a fluke last year. Whereas the Lakers are going to be a consistent uh, contender until LeBron James leaves. That's what he does. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I, I definitely could see Lakers Nets in the finals, and and call me crazy, but I'm going Lakers. I just think that they have the better team. They have the better coach. They have the better player in LeBron James he's better than anybody on the Nets and uh until I see LeBron start losing some steps I'm gonna always take LeBron James I'm I'm a huge fan so I agree with that completely let's uh you want to play another one yeah go ahead we got two more if you want to play them back to back sure uh hang on here we got some long ones here oh yeah well so we got some love for Frank Vogel in the one um yeah, here I'll just Man, thank you for giving Frank Vogel some recognition, man, because I don't think that he's getting enough, you know, uh, with LeBron and AD out. Before they even went out, the Lakers were number 1 in defensive efficiency. After LeBron James and uh AD have been out, they're still number 1 in defensive efficiency. So, I say that as a Pelicans fan, right? I'm from New Orleans, I root for the Pelicans, and I say this after saying all that, right? Fire Stan Van Gundy. It's enough. This is Matt Patricia syndrome, okay? Matt Patricia was this defensive genius, comes to Detroit, and for his tenure, not just one season, his tenure, the Lions were last in defense. Uh, The Pelicans are last in defense. Fire Stan Van Gundy. I don't need to waste a year or two to figure out what he's going to do or to give him a chance. I already know what he's going to do. So, God bless him. I I honestly... I forgot that they. I mean, I, I knew they hired him, but I I remember when it, they hired him. I'm like, why? <laughs> the NBA that he used to coach is not the NBA that's right now. You know, I, no, I didn't. It, that didn't make sense to me. 100. And I agree. I mean, I was actually just watching the the end. Uh, Lawrence says he was a he says he's a Pelicans fan. I was just watching the end of the Pelicans Knicks game literally before we got on here, 
and I saw the Pelicans blew it in overtime. And yeah. I mean, don't get me wrong, the Knicks are a surprising team this year, but at the same time, when you have Zion Williamson, you have the number one overall player last year. He's expected to be the next superstar in the NBA. You have Steven Adams, you have Brandon Ingram, you have some talent on that team. And don't get me wrong, the acquisition of Derrick Rose has made the Knicks a little bit better for sure. But like, yeah, those are games you just you can't afford to blow. And when you have a team that's supposed to be defensive based and stuff like that, you've given up. I mean, I, I forgot the final score. Uh, but I think the Knicks in overtime, I mean, they had over 120 points, something like that. That's not good defense. I understand no. the NBA. There's not a lot of defense anymore. But uh, but yeah, I agree with the Matt Patricia syndrome. You get a guy that comes from New England who, because of the amazing talent around him, the head coach, all this and that, and that goes for almost any Belichick flunky. They go elsewhere and they usually fail. It's it's pretty common that a Belichick guy goes elsewhere and does not have success. That's very well known. Um, and that just goes to show you that it's it's a system thing, but it's more so the total grouping than it is something you can take with you somewhere else. Yeah. No, I agree. That Matt Patricia thing was so I'm glad they get rid of him. Um, but yeah, no, I agree. I, I think back to the Lakers thing, I think it's the Lakers championship to lose. Um, I, I think AD, I think AD just got cleared, um, to resume practice and to, you know, work his way back in. So once he's back and I think LeBron will be back on the same time, now you have Drummond down low. I mean, that team's going to be very, very close to unstoppable and look what they've done without LeBron. I mean, they've, they've kept it going, you know, just as well as they were before. So, and that, and that's something LeBron's never had at any team he's been at, that he's been out and the team's been able to carry the momentum without him being there, which is great to see. Yeah, the Lakers really struggled in the beginning of when LeBron went down. But, I mean, that's a, that's a huge adjustment for any team when you have a player of LeBron's caliber. So, I was fully – like, there were a lot of people panicking, like, oh, my God, the Lakers are terrible without LeBron. How does anyone think they're going to win another championship, blah, blah, blah. But it's like, you know, take away anyone's best player for a week or two. It's, it's going to take some time to adjust. You Because re- you're, you're, when your entire game plan is basically focused around this guy's running point, this guy's playing any position, he's your number one scorer, he's doing everything – and you lose that, it's, it takes a little bit of time to adjust. So totally understandable, especially, I mean, it's a regular season. Who really cares? LeBron has never cared about seeding, things like that, uh, especially even still with, with stadiums are far from full capacity. So home court advantage really isn't much of a thing. I mean, they went to Disney last year and won the championship. So I don't really think that matters. Never really has to LeBron. Don't be wrong. Having the one seed is always a good thing, but at the same time puts a little extra pressure on you. Then you end up playing that that eight seed that it doesn't happen often in the NBA, but you get a team that's kind of playing hot, and maybe they take you to six games instead of, you know, you're thinking an easy sweep against an eight seed, but you're playing a team that's hot, a team that has some confidence, and then that wears you down a little bit because the NBA playoffs is a fucking marathon. Mm-hmm. It uh, it's, it's, it's too long. I've always complained about it. I don't think you need seven games for every round. I don't think you need eight teams per conference, but, you know, I digress. We can complain about the NBA all day. Um, but yeah, right now it's early. We'll obviously do some predictions before the playoffs actually start, which is actually coming up not too, not too long from now, but, uh, yeah, I, I'm, I'm going, I think it's end of, end of May, beginning of June, right? That's, uh, something like that. Cause they have to do the, uh, like the play in bubble. May 20, thing, May 22nd is when it starts. Okay. Is that what it is? Yep. So, I mean, it's like a month away. It's crazy. Okay. All right. Well, uh, we're going to get into, the bread and butter. Let's get in. Well, I guess we could talk a little baseball really quick since we have a couple minutes. Um, Do we have to? <laughs> yeah, we can. Um, 
What I mean, a, pretty much things ago. are going exactly as we predicted, strictly talking Indians right now. Um, Shane Bieber, stud of a pitcher. He's killing it. Uh, I think he had like 10 strikeouts again today. He's like the first pitcher in MLB history to get 10-plus strikeouts in his first four starts. Doing great things. However, the Indians are struggling to score runs. They won today. Their only win in, in Cincinnati. Uh, they lost two out of three over the weekend. But they're just doing exactly what I predicted with them. They're going to have decent <clears throat> pitching that's going to get them in some, keep them in some games. But it's very reminiscent to me of the Mets of the years prior, where the Mets had Jacob DeGrom, Noah Syndergaard, guys like that. Jacob DeGrom is arguably the best pitcher in baseball. A lot of people don't know about him. I mean, casual baseball fans maybe, but like, you know, you're not too familiar baseball fans that just kind of focus on their own teams have probably never really heard of Jacob DeGrom. He's one of the best pitchers we might ever see in baseball history. And he's just been on a bad Mets team that didn't score him runs. I mean, the guy would go out there and give up like one run a game and sometimes win it one to nothing or lose two to one, something like that. But he's a stud pitcher, multiple Cy Young winner, just a great pitcher. But I kind of feel like Shane Bieber's kind of in that same situation where he's a great pitcher. He's going to go out there and, and pitch amazing. But if he gives up two runs, that might be enough to, to cost him the game or to get him a no decision or something like that. We just we just don't have the offensive power behind him to to be a legit contender. I know I said it before the season started. I picked the Indians to finish. I think I've picked them to finish second to last right ahead of Detroit. And, I mean, it's so early right now. I'm not going to get into predicting what's going to happen. Anything's possible, but I'm sticking with it. I think it's going to be Chicago, Minnesota, Kansas City to round out the top three in the uh, Central. And that's that. I mean, I'm just – I'm not sold on the Indians. I see a lot of super diehard Indians fans that are on social media talking shit to anybody that doubted them. And it's like, guys, we're, we're two weeks into the fucking season. Let's pump the brakes a little bit. It's a yeah, long no. year. Baseball's I have no faith in long season. No, they have um, nobody. That's, I mean, unless they bring some people up from the minor leagues anytime soon. Um, and even then, the Indians minor league system is it, yeah. it, it's good. I mean, don't get me wrong. We have talent. But we're known for pitching talent. As far as offensive players are concerned, we don't really have anybody down there right now that's going to come up here and set the world on fire. Pretty much what no. we have is the best we have that, that's yeah. already up in the, the majors. Yeah, they'll be lucky to make they'll be, they'll be lucky to make the playoffs this year. If that, I mean, if they make the playoffs this year, it, it's going to be an interesting season. But I'm not I'm not too worried. But I won't go spend money to go to a game. And no, honestly, no I can't I can't even watch them on TV right now because of I don't have uh, regular old cable because our sports time network doesn't agree agree with Hulu or YouTube, so I can't even watch them. So oh okay, I didn't even know that. So I have I have yeah. regular cable, so I I was watching yeah, the game today. But uh, yeah, it's, it's saved to me, so who cares? <laughs> I mean, I, yeah, I'll be honest. I'm not I'm not a diehard watching every Indians game kind of person. It's just uh, I'll check the score every once in a while if I'm at work and there's nothing really else I want to listen to. I'll, I'll throw the game on and listen for a little bit. But you could just tell that this is a, a year the Indians are kind of I don't want to say taking off, but I mean when you start the season off and you have guys playing out of position, you're trying guys out in the outfield for the first time in their careers. That's kind of like you know, it, it reminds me a little bit of Moneyball, where maybe you surprise some things, but there's no no chance that a, a championship's coming at the end of this light at the at the end of the tunnel. I mean, and I've said it a thousand times. That's that's my make or break thing for any sports franchise. It's championship or bust. It always should be. The Indians have been a perennial playoff team for the last like five years or whatever. And you still have fans that are like, oh, don't go so hard on the Dolans, blah, blah, blah. I watched a World Series window 
get wide open and then get slammed shut for really no reason other than them being frugal. And to me, that's just unacceptable in a sport with no salary cap. Uh, I've said it a thousand times. That's just how I feel. So watching the Indians be a consistent playoff team, watching them have consistent pitching, get called up and some young talent every once in a while that they just refuse to, to put money into to keep going. That's just sickening to me. And it just makes me wish or think about what could be. So like you said, how, I'm not putting money into the team. How's our boy doing over there in New York? Oh, I'm he's doing it. okay. The Mets have had a weird start to the season. The, the first few games were, were washed out because of COVID. So they got a late start. Uh, Lindor's doing okay. I mean, he's batting a little over 200, but it's so early. I mean, everything will even itself out. He's a career, you know, God damn, this chair's loud. Um, yeah, yeah, it is. 285. Career, like 200, you know, something hitter. He'll, he'll teeter around 300. I, I expect him to wake up a little bit as the season goes on. Lindor's, I mean, I, I just think he's a great player, so we'll give him some time. But the, the Mets are currently sitting in first place, if I'm not mistaken. So that's what Lindor does. He's been a, a key contributor to making the Indians a playoff team every year. And a lot of people that, I, that, that are happy that he's gone because they, they're Indians diehards, they defend, oh, that guy's not worth this money, blah, blah, blah. You can't put a price on a guy that can consistently will your team to the playoffs because that's what Lindor did. He put up really good numbers. He was a he was an all-star, this and that. And again, you can't put a price on guys that get to the playoffs. Look at the money that Mike Trout's making in, in Los Angeles. And we've said this before. He's one of the best baseball players of all time. Not a playoff player, though, because he doesn't get there. Francisco Lindor puts up really good numbers. He's a good defensive <clears throat> player, great player, gets paid. And fans were like, oh, he's not worth it. Meanwhile, the Indians were a consistent playoff team because Lindor was on that roster. He was a huge part of that. So there's a little extra incentive there to pay a guy that can consistently help your team get to the playoffs. So as a as an Indians fan, I'm partially rooting for the Mets because I have friends that are diehard Mets fans. And I would, would like to see Francisco Lindor succeed. I've always been a fan of him. I think he wanted to stay in Cleveland. The Indians just, you know, refused to open up the checkbook. Yeah. I'd be interested to see, but yeah, they're in first place. Wow, six and four record. Yep. Again, that's because you know they played a few less games than other teams because that that series against the Nationals got uh, shut down. Look at those Dodgers, thirteen and two. <laughs> yeah, they're pretty damn good. I uh, I've been thinking about that for a while. They're a pretty good baseball team, and I think it's going to continue to be good for them. And then, I mean, they were already the, already the World Series champions with one of the best rosters in baseball, one of the best pitching rotations in, in baseball. And then they just go ahead and add the reigning Cy Young winner in the National League and Trevor Bauer. So the rich get richer. Meanwhile, the Indians are taking steps backwards. So that's just depressing to be a Cleveland Indians fan. Yep, that's about it. That's I mean, we're just giving everyone all our good talent. That's typical, typical year for us right there. Yep. All right, everybody. With that being said, we are here to move on to what you all came for, and that is NFL talk. Again, we haven't been able to record really over the last uh, few weeks, month, whatever. Uh, so free agency has started. It's come. It's passed for the most part. Uh, the big names are, are signed. Um, let's get right into it. Some of the bigger names. I have the list right here. We'll quickly, quickly, quickly go over it. Um, one thing I've always, I've always thought of when it comes to the NFL As a Browns fan, when we sucked, when it came to free agency, I look at it as teams that are willing to spend a ton of money in the offseason 
that that get the huge names and give the big contracts to guys tend to be some of the worst teams in the league for hmm. the most part. Uh-oh. <laughs> no, 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 no. I'm, I'm, I'm more so talking about the Jets in this situation. Yeah. Um, and that's just because I have friends that are Jets fans. My friends that are Jets fans are over the moon for their free agent signings. They got Carl Lawson, who was a good, you know, rotational edge edge rusher from the Bengals. He goes to the the Jets. They give him a huge contract, three years, forty five million dollars. That's a big deal. Um, then who else did they sign? I think they signed. Um, well, they kept Marcus May. They signed Corey Davis, the wide receiver, who was. He was pretty good in Tennessee with Ryan Tannehill. Um, he is now with the Jets. Three years, $37.5 million. Um, they signed Sheldon, Sheldon Rankins. Uh, yeah, Sheldon Rankins. Like, all years. these little like, under-the-radar signings the Jets had. Like, my, my friends are – obviously, they're homers, so they're going to overdo it a little bit. But they were like, oh, what an amazing offseason we're having. That's like I've always looked at it. When it comes to free agents, for the most part, if if teams are willing to let guys walk, that's saying something. That's how I look at it. Because um, Carl Lawson walked from the Bengals, and the Bengals just went on to sign uh, Trey Hendrickson instead. So they basically, if I'm not mistaken, yeah, he got a four-year, $60 million deal. So they were willing to pay him a pretty good amount of money, whereas... Carl Lawson got three years, 45 million. So literally the exact same amount of money, 15 million a year, but they gave Trey Hendrickson one more year and let Carl Lawson walk. So to me, that's saying something when a team lets a guy go that I've always looked at it that way. And that's the same thing with a few years ago. I remember um, CJ Mosley was the huge free agent linebacker as a Browns fan. I would have loved him at the time. He goes to the jets. He sucked his first year. He got hurt. Couldn't stay healthy. Second year, opts out due to COVID. It's been a huge fail for the Jets. Meanwhile, I remember when they signed him, my Jets uh, fan friends were going crazy and talking about how amazing that signing was and how this and that. They're so much better than the Browns. That's the kind of, you know, shit talk banter we have. And it's just funny to me that as a Browns fan, I've come to learn that because the Browns used to do that. The Browns used to sign uh, Paul Kruger and Gary Baxter and I, I swear we signed guys that didn't just come from Baltimore. Um, Dwayne Bowe, like these crazy signings. They put a ton of money into guys and just nothing panned out. It was always just shit. Um, so I just always looked at it that way. Pretty much if you if teams are willing to let guys go, more often than not, they don't pan out that well. Um, to an extent, if you're a good team and you only sign a few guys, that's a different story. But I'm talking about teams like even the Patriots, for instance. The Patriots have signed; they've spent more money in free agency this year so than like many the people. previous like ten years combined, or something like that. But again, you're you're signing a bunch of guys that the other teams didn't want to keep. So like, I don't understand me, the two t- the two tight end thing. They signed Hunter Henry and J- uh, J- was it Jonah, Jonah Smith. Smith. Yeah, like I don't understand. I get that they're a two two tight end like offense that he likes to run, but it doesn't make sense to me. Why do you go spend that um, money for those two tight ends? Well, it's going to be interesting to see what they do. And uh, spoiler alert: I have New England taking a quarterback in in the mock draft coming up. Oh, and me too. Even with Cam, 
even with Cam Newton currently on the roster, I just think that the two tight end set is more so of a setup because the number one thing for a rookie quarterback or a young quarterback, should I say, um, is a tight end. A tight end is yeah. a young quarterback's best friend. They bail <laughs> them out because they, they don't run too deep. They're usually there for quick check downs. They're pretty consistent. So I, I see the two tight end thing being more so for the future of the Patriots, more so than it is for right now with Cam Newton. It also helps because they're both decent blocking tight ends. Jonu Smith is known for being from ten- with Tennessee, where Derrick Henry is arguably the best running back in football. And Jonu Smith blocking was a huge part of that. Hunter Henry, same thing. He was a consistently decent tight end with, with the Chargers. Um, they've also been a heavy running team over the past few years. I mean, don't get me wrong. You have Phillip Rivers, so you're obviously slinging the ball a ton. And then even with Justin Herbert last year, they were throwing the ball a ton as well. But they tried to be a pretty good rushing team. And uh, Hunter Henry was good at both. So I think yeah. these two just kind of fit what Bill Belichick wants to do, what uh, Kyle Shanahan – I'm, I'm sorry, not Kyle Shanahan. Uh, Josh McDaniels likes to do with the offense there in New England. I've just – I've always been against them having Cam Newton. Personally, I don't understand the fit. He is. He does not strike me as a Belichick McDaniel style quarterback. So, again, that's why I have them getting a new quarterback this year because I think they realize that Cam Newton's not an answer of any sort. But, uh, but yeah, I mean, it is an interesting way to spend their money. But I mean, they signed Matt Judon too. That's a four-year contract. They signed Nelson Aguilar to a two-year contract. I mean, yeah, that's Nelson just a Aguilar, lot of. I mean, a lot Patriots of money being thrown. One of the worst wide receiving cores in the NFL, in my opinion. You look at, they drafted Nikhil Harry a few years ago. He's been a bust. Uh, Julian Edelman just retired, so he's gone. Um, like you said, they just signed Nelson Aguilar, who's been pretty below average for his NFL career. Um, they also so signed Kendrick, Kendrick Bourne, too. That's uh, another one, three year. Yeah, three another year contract. bust. Or just, you know, not good player. Yeah. Um, so that's where I think the, uh, the double tight end is really going to come into come in handy. I think they're going to rely heavily on the run. Um, we'll talk more about that when we get into it, but we'll just go down the list of some guys that, uh, have changed teams and, or have stayed. So you have, if you look at the top 10 list here, according to CBS sports out of the top 10 players available in free agency, number 10, Kenny Galladay is the only one to switch teams. And again, yeah. That takes me back to what I was saying with, I think, teams don't let the, the good players go. They let guys go for a reason. So I look at Dak Prescott, Leonard Williams, Chris Godwin, Brandon Sheriff, Trent Williams, Shaq Barrett, Allen Robinson, Justin Simmons, and Taylor Moten. All stayed with their respective teams. Cowboys, Giants, Buccaneers, uh, Washington football team, uh, Niners, Bucks, Bears, Broncos, Panthers. All stayed. Franchise tag or contracts all stayed. Then you get down the lower end of the list, and that's where guys start to leave. So Joe Thune left. He went to Kansas City. Hunter Henry, as you said, he left. He went from Los Angeles to New England. Levante David, who I I really wanted for Cleveland, I thought he would have been a good addition. He stayed in Tampa Bay. Uh, That helps when you're a championship team like that. You want to keep your core players intact, so that was a huge uh, keep for them. Uh, Joe New Smith, as you said, left. Corey Lindsley left the Packers for the Chargers. Uh, John Johnson, the third, the big signing for the Browns, safety. Um, team captain for the Rams. Rams were obviously the number one defense in football last year. 
well done. I mean, that helps when you have Aaron Donald for sure, when you have Jalen Ramsey. Um, but John Johnson was the team captain. John Johnson was a play caller. So huge addition for the Browns. I was very happy with that signing personally. Uh, safety was definitely a position of, of need they needed to address and to bolster up a little bit. You have Ronnie Harrison. You have Grant Delpit, hopefully going to come back healthy, and but you can't trust his health. I hate to say it. I love Grant Delpit, but you can't trust his health. So any addition is, is a good addition. So I'm happy with the John Johnson signing. Uh, we already mentioned Carl Lawson. Um, Aaron Jones stayed in Green Bay. Bud Dupree left the division and went down to Tennessee. So that's always good as a Browns fan to see Steelers. He got guys paid, leave. too. Oh, 100%. He was going to get paid regardless. But, yeah, good for him. Huge contract. Uh, Juju Smith-Schuster stayed in Pittsburgh on a one-year deal. Um, took less money to stay. I am more than okay with him staying because I don't think Juju Smith-Schuster is that good of a player. I think he's very overrated. So that one doesn't really bother me too much. Uh, you already said Matt Judon. He's, he left Baltimore to go to New England, which is good for us as Browns fans. Um, Shaq Griffin, the corner from Seattle, he was rumored to be on the Browns' radar. The Browns were trying hard to get him, and then he ended up going to Jacksonville. I'd have to go back and look because I truly don't remember off the top of my head. Um, when we signed Troy Hill, I don't remember. Was that before or after the rumors of Shaq Griffin? It was after. Part of me wants to say it was after. I really don't remember, though. But if it's after, yeah. that just goes to show you that the Browns do have uh, – they, they do understand that they still need more corner depth. So something that's a position to keep an eye out for in the upcoming draft. Um, but we'll get into the Browns draft as we do our 32-pick thing. Uh, another big signing for the Browns that uh, obviously did not go under the radar. I think everybody and their brother saw it. Jadevian Clowney. Finally makes his way to Cleveland after they tried to get him last year for way too much money. He went to Tennessee, did terribly, couldn't stay on the field, and is now a Cleveland Brown for a one-year, $10 million deal. Uh, out of that $10 million, eight is pretty much guaranteed. The other $2 million is incentive-based. So, you know, $2 million is nothing to slouch at. That's something you're going to want to play for and, and to try to earn. So good signing for the Browns, more depth. The Browns signed Tech McKinney. They brought in Malik Jackson. They did just recently cut Sheldon Richardson, though. So, And they lost a couple guys in the offensive line, some depth. So definitely some big holes the Browns need to fill. Um, but, you know, when you're in this position, you have nine draft picks coming up. You hope they scout properly. You hope some guys that you took in years prior are going to live up to their expectations. Um and that, I mean, we have some depth. We have some young guys at linebacker. We have some young defensive linemen. We have young interior offensive linemen from last year's draft. So you just, again, you just hope these guys pan out and they play up to their potential and they're, they're coached properly and, and ready to go. So lots of holes to be filled. Still some free agents out there, which again, I think the Browns will take advantage of some veterans in the future. I know we talked about him before, but a guy like Richard Sherman, I would, I would, I would not mind at all on the Browns as like our third or fourth corner. I'd also I go after Ryan Kerrigan too. He's not signed either. We'll probably yeah, get absolutely. Him for cheap. I mean, you, the more you can get depth wise, the better. And if you get these aging veterans on one year cheap deals, it's a smart move. I forgot to mention, uh, what the hell's his name? Uh, Anthony w uh, Walker or Wagner? I forgot his name. The linebacker we got from uh, from Indy, uh, Indianapolis. 
Yeah, I think huh? it's I think it's I think his name's Wagner. Yeah, I think you're right. Yeah, so the Browns got him. Good signing. Um he's a good tackler. That's pretty much all we need. With with this defensive line the Browns have in place. We got the guys from the Eagles too. The Malcolm um is it Jenkins? Not Jenkins, Malcolm. Oh, I, I said Malik Jackson. Malik yeah, Jackson, yeah, sorry, yeah. Yeah, so we got him and then again with the with the defensive line. You kind of hope that your linebackers are only there to make tackles. The, the linebackers aren't expected to do a ton other than if, if a running back or whatever gets to the second level, they just do their job. They make the tackle. So you hope that that's going to be the case. And, you know, we'll go from there. We'll see what happens. Um, so with that being said, we can uh, – you want to get into the draft? You ready? I feel like we need to play draft music. <laughs> I know. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Let's get into it. Gentlemen, with the first pick of the 2021 NFL Draft, the Jacksonville Jaguars are on the clock. Kyle, start us off. I think we're both the same answer. No brainer in this one. Yeah, Trevor Lawrence going number one from Clemson to Jacksonville. I concur. I agree. I think this one's been chiseled in granite a long time ago. There's no question about it. Trevor Lawrence is the number one pick, and. uh, it's a nice player for Urban Meyer to have, and it's a position that the Jacksonville Jaguars have been trying to figure out for a long time. They had a little bit of a fluky situation with uh, Blake Bortles a couple years ago where he looked like he wasn't the worst quarterback in football, and then, oh, how things changed. So they're going to get, hopefully, their franchise quarterback. You have Urban Meyer, who obviously is known to cut and run when things aren't going smoothly. He's done that before. Will he do it in the NFL? Only time will tell. But for now, he's got himself a franchise quarterback. I feel like we need an, an over-under how many years it takes for him to quite play a coaching football again. Uh, honestly, <laughs> I think it just depends on how well they do. Obviously, if things are going well for Jacksonville, which they've got a decent amount of draft picks, they signed some decent free agents, hopefully they're going to do a quick turnaround because the NFL – nowadays is is kind of made to be a fast turnaround league uh teams can go from a top 10 draft pick to a playoff team and a you know perennial playoff team for that matter pretty quickly nowadays so urban meyer obviously has a ton of experience as a head coach he has a ton of experience with young players and i think going to jacksonville where it's a roster full of young talented players or you know somewhat talented and then now you have the number one pick you're bringing in Whatever quarterback you choose, which, I mean, I think Trevor Lawrence is the no-brainer pick for him. Um, it's a good start for Urban Meyer. He walked himself into a pretty good situation. And if everything – I mean, the NFL is a different animal than college. So, I think Nick Saban will be the first to attest to that. But we'll see right. what happens with Urban Meyer. I'm, uh, I'm excited to see how it goes down. Uh, don't get me wrong. I have no ill will against Urban Meyer, even though he, you know, he left Ohio State. I think Ryan Day is a great – you know, fill in, not fill in, but a great replacement uh, for him. Right. Um, but yeah, I mean, as far as the Meyer is concerned, now that he's no longer with Ohio state, I don't give a shit about him. So I'm not like secretly rooting for Jacksonville because they have urban Meyer. I could care less. I'm the kind of guy that once you leave school, that goes for players, coaches, whatever. Once you leave school, there's no connection with anybody like Donovan people's Jones. I would hate it Michigan, but now that he's on the Browns, Hey, welcome. You know what I mean? So same thing with Urban Meyer. You're no longer with Ohio State, so I'm no longer, like, you know, a fan, like, supporting rooting. So fuck Jacksonville and fuck Urban Meyer and Trevor Lawrence. But uh, Okay. There's the first pick of the draft, people. (laughs) Number two pick 
the New York football Jets. I have them taking. I'm guessing you do too. Zach Wilson, a.k.a. the Mormon Manziel, uh, quarterback out of BYU. Uh, I concur with your with your pick there. I have Zach Wilson going number two overall as well. The Mormon Manziel. That's interesting. <laughs> that's one of the rumor or one of the uh, scouting reports. I saw somebody quoted as saying that they think he's got a little bit of an attitude problem. I mean, it, it, it's it's early. It's pre pre draft stuff. So this is a lot of times where um, shit comes out that might not necessarily be true. It's more so other teams are trying to hopefully hurt someone's draft st- stock because they want a player to fall an extra pick or two so they could take them. Um, I'm personally not a big Zach Wilson fan. I think he's a very, very average quarterback. He put up pretty bad numbers his first two years. Last year, he put up some decent numbers. Nothing really that blows me away. He did it at BYU. He played against some pretty bad uh, opponents because BYU doesn't really play good opponents. He did play against a ranked Coastal Carolina team who was briefly a surprise team last year. And Zach Wilson shit the bed pretty much against Coastal Carolina. They lost. He didn't have a good game. To me, I understand you can't judge a guy on one game. And I understand, you know, not everybody's going to play great every single week. I'm not expecting that out of college players. But Zach Wilson, to me, would be like a day two pick if we were back in the, the old NFL where rookie contracts were not capped like they are now. I don't right. think anybody would take a high – the Jets would not be taking him number two overall if they were going to have to pay him a huge contract. So um, uh, I'm not a big Zach Wilson fan. I've gotten into a lot of arguments with my buddies who are Jets fans who pretty much they're, – they're, they're more so convincing themselves they love Zach Wilson. If I, if, if I talk to them about who they were going to draft four months ago, give or take, they were not saying Zach Wilson. Now that everyone and their brother has – pumping up Zach Wilson, they're all for him. They love him. They yeah. think he's so much better than Justin Fields. Justin Fields holds Ooh. the ball too long. They just shit on all these other players because they think Zach Wilson's the greatest because they're going to take him. So as a non-biased... I, I, I see nothing in Zach Wilson that makes me excited. He's played no no great defenses in college. He's had the time to stand back there and, and launch that ball 80 yards down yeah. the field. He's I an mean, average-sized he, quarterback. He's not super athletic. He's got a decent arm, nothing crazy. But again, like you said, he's playing against pretty bad opponents. The best team he played in 2020, uh, his 2020 season, was Coastal Carolina because they were ranked like top 15 at the time, I think. And he did not play great at all. So you're playing a top 20-ranked Coastal Carolina team, and you struggle. Imagine when you're going up against Bill Belichick's Patriots defense or yeah. the Buffalo Bills, these teams in his division, the up-and-coming Miami Dolphins. I mean, that's just the AFC East. So, again, I'm not a big fan of it. Again, I also think, you know, the Jets overspent in free agency to kind of compensate. I'm interested to see how Robert Sala is going to be as a head coach. I wanted him in Cleveland last year. He was on my list. Um, just because of what he did in San Francisco. San Francisco had an amazing defense, and Robert Sala was the coordinator that helped put that all together. Um, obviously, I'm happy with Kevin Stefanski, don't get me wrong. But uh, I'm curious to see the offense Robert Sala is going to go with. Is he going to kind of follow Michael Shanahan or uh, Kyle Shanahan's uh, blueprint and go run heavy? Or will he try to do his own thing? You never know. But with Zach Wilson, I don't know. I'm not, I'm not sold on him. So as – a guy that regularly shit talks the Jets with my buddies. I couldn't be happier that they're taking him because I look forward to making fun of him weekly. <laughs> I agree. Bad pick. All right, number and three. Now big, 
big trade. San Francisco moved up to three. I think that trade happened before the last time we even did an episode. I'm not sure. So yeah, uh, San San Francisco is on the clock. Kyle, go ahead. I've got the uh, 49ers taking the quarterback from the Ohio State University, Justin Fields, at number three. I do, too. Um, I have the same pick. I've seen a lot of people in mock drafts trying to force Trey Lance on people. I've seen people trying to force Mac Jones, which would be fucking crazy if Mac Jones is the third overall pick. Let's be honest. Um, One thing, though, that I saw, Kyle Shanahan has a horrible track record with quarterbacks so far since he's been in uh, San Francisco and been on his own. So would it be surprising if they took Trey Lance or Mac Jones? No, not at all. seems like Shanahan's known for fucking it up at the quarterback position or John Lynch, whoever you want to put the blame on. But uh, so would I be surprised if they didn't take fields? Not really. Um, Rumors I saw not to get ahead of ourselves here, but rumors I saw were that Atlanta is desperately trying to trade out of the fourth overall pick because they want Justin Fields. And they think he's going to be gone at three. So they're trying to trade out a four because if Fields isn't there, they'd rather just have the stockpile of draft picks. So right. uh, we'll see what happens on draft day again. I didn't do any trades in my mock, but that's just a rumor that I heard. So for me, that kind of makes me think I'm not alone in thinking Justin Fields is going to be the third overall pick for the Niners. So we have a consensus on that. Here's where I think things are going to get kind of funny. Now that we're out of the top three, I think we know it's going to be three straight quarterbacks. Number three is just the question mark of which quarterback my money would be on Justin Fields. I think that's the smartest, safest pick for the Niners. But here's where it starts to get fun. Here's where you go to a team with an aging quarterback, but not necessarily ready to replace him. So I, with the fourth overall pick, have the Atlanta Falcons taking tight end Kyle Pitts from Florida. And here's where we go downhill. (laughs) All right. Good first name, though. Yeah, debatable. Uh, <laughs> um, bearing not any not any trades here, I actually have Atlanta taking that quarterback of the future, and I think they're they're gonna they're gonna draft uh, Trey Lance uh, out of okay. North Dakota State. So, uh, as long as they don't trade, if they're still there, I think that's what they'll do. But you're right. I think if Justin Fields is off the board, um, they're gonna move around and try to probably drop down into like the mid teens or higher twenties um, for the first round. I mean, don't get me wrong, uh, a quarterback there would make sense because obviously, like I said, uh, Matt Ryan's not getting any younger. The Falcons aren't getting any better. Let's be honest. I think that they're they're getting ready to start to rebuild. Julio Jones isn't getting younger, younger or healthier. Um, they let Austin Hooper walk last year. They tried to replace him with Hayden Hurst. Hayden Hurst was very underwhelming. Uh, other than that, I mean, the Falcons' offense is decent. They were putting up points last year. It's Their, their defense was shit in the bed and, and causing them to lose games. So... The only thing, though, is there's not really a defensive player there, to me, that trumps any offensive player. So I could see the Falcons going – I'm just going Kyle Pitts because I think he's the best player available at that point. And sure. he's he's such a dynamic player. He could play tight end. He could play wide receiver. He's too big for corners and safeties to cover. He's too fast for linebackers to cover. I think he's a stud player. I'm a huge fan of his. Um, so I just think for me, I, Atlanta's going to go best player available, and that would be a good pick for them. Mm-hmm. Um, I could very well see them go with like an offensive lineman. You still have uh, Penny Sewell, who's the best offensive tackle in this draft class. Uh, he would make sense for the Falcons. He's not the sexy pick, but I mean, realistically, the Falcons could go just about anywhere. Uh, but I'm just, I just went pretty basic. I didn't want to roll the dice too much, so I went best <clears> player <throat> available. 
Um, but quarterback, like you said, would make a ton of sense because you have a guy that could sit behind Matt Ryan for a year or two, learn the game, especially a guy like Trey Lance who needs that nurturing and time to learn. And Matt Ryan would be a good mentor. He doesn't miss any games, really. He stays healthy. So learning behind him would be good. So would totally make sense. Would not shock me at all. Um, Absolutely. Yeah, so, it's going to be interesting. But I do think they trade, though. But we'll see. <clears throat> yeah. Um, right. Number, we got five, five Cincy. Um, I got the Bengals taking Jamar Chase out of uh, LSU, wide receiver. All right. I have them taking Panay Sewell, uh, the offensive tackle out of Oregon, because Joe Burrow got destroyed last year. He was their number one pick, huge investment. Looks like he could be a franchise quarterback, you know, perennial pro bowl or whatever. Looks good. He, he fit the part in his brief time playing. He played briefly because the offensive line was garbage. He got killed. He got, he took so many hits last year. I think protecting him is the utmost importance for Cincinnati. So I went with that. I think their wide receiving core for me, it's not bad. I mean, they, they have T Higgins, who's a guy that they can lean on for the future, but I just think right now their number one concern is protect Joe Burrow at all costs. So I went with Panay Sewell there. Um, but again, I could see any pick for them because when you're in the top 10, these bad teams, they have so many holes. You could pretty much go any position for the most part. You basically need almost everything. So, no, I agree. I mean, right there, I mean, they, they have needs at the line. They need, they need, I, I still think they need a number two or number one wide receiver. Um, and they also need defense too. So, I mean, you're like, they have a lot of spots to fill there. But, and just in my opinion, that was the best person available, best receiver on the board, I think. Um, yeah, for sure. Right there, so. This this draft class to me, though, it's so loaded. Uh, wide receiver and corner are the most loaded position oh, yeah. in this entire class. So that's why I could see it. the Bengals right there. They would go, you know what? We're going to protect Joe Burrow with the best blindside blocker left tackle. It will get him a wide receiver on day two or three, and they'll be content with that. But that's just me guessing. You know, the Bengals are known for fucking shit up. So who knows with them? Uh, pick number six, the Miami Dolphins with their first pick of the day. Uh, I have them going with who you just had. I have them going Jamar Chase. I think they're going to try to get two of some weapons. I think they would love to take Sewell if he made it that far because they would love to, you know, protect Tua. But uh, since for my draft, he's off the board. I have them going best player available, best wide receiver, give give Tua a weapon, and that is Jamar Chase. Um, I actually have them taken. I have them taken another offensive weapon. He's not leaving Florida. I got him taking Kyle Pitts there, tight end out of uh, Miami or Florida. Oh, that would be an amazing pick for them. Um, Absolutely. I mean, you can't, you can't give a young quarterback too many weapons. And if, if, if Pitts somehow makes it to six, that would be incredible for Miami. Uh, I mean, what a build they've had with Brian Flores. My concern, I said it last year. I don't like Tua. I don't think he's a good quarterback. I've been skeptical about him forever. So for me, regardless of how much you add to that team, if you don't get yourself a great quarterback, that's it's always going to be your your holdup. So we'll see what happens, but I have them going Jamar Chase. You have them going Kyle Pitts, so we're both on the same page with an offensive weapon. Pick number seven, yeah. Detroit. Kyle, who do you have? Um, I got him taking a wide receiver. I got him taking Jalen Waddle out of Alabama. <clears throat> okay, so I have them going wide receiver out of Alabama as well, but I have Devontae Smith. Uh, I'm a little skeptical on him. He's the Heisman winner. Looked like a, you know, superstar freak athlete blah 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 he's very small very under like gumby gumby playing uh, catch football out there <laughs> the only reason i have him going here is i just think he's a good fit for a guy like jared goff jared goff flourished with um 
Brandon Cooks, Robert Woods, guys like that, Cooper Cup. He's really good at getting these small, shifty, quick wide receivers uh, open and, and hitting them. And Jared Goff, uh, you know, don't get me wrong, he's not one of the greatest quarterbacks you'll ever see, but he does have a hell of a deep ball. So I'm going Devontae Smith here because I just think he would fit better with the Detroit offense personally. Mm-hmm. But, you know, who knows? There are some very good wide receivers this year. They could go with any of them. So it was a gamble. I had him going wide receiver. I just kind of thought about which one I think would make more sense for the, the, the Lions. So I went Devontae Smith, but I see we were on the same page with that one as well. It's pretty much mm-hmm. almost after, after taking uh, Jeff Akuda last year, I don't see them going back to back corner, even though they could use the help. The, the, the Lions have a lot of holes to fill. So this was just a gamble. You know, who knows what they're going to take, but I have Devontae Smith. Number eight, the Carolina Panthers. I have the first defensive player off the board, and it is Patrick Sertan, or Tane, however you fucking say it, cornerback out of Alabama. A lot of Bama going early, um, but I have them taking a corner. I think that's their biggest position of need. I think Patrick Sertan is the best corner available, and I think Carolina is going to race to the uh, podium to announce this pick if he's if he's sitting there for him. Hmm. Well, uh, <clears throat> I don't agree. <laughs> I have been right. taking uh, Penny Sewell at the, uh, the tackle for Carolina there at that spot. If he's gonna, okay. if he's there, I don't know if he's going to drop that low, but I haven't taken an offensive tackle. See, my only thing with that is that they just franchise tagged Taylor Moten to play tackle for him. He's sure. only 27. So I think Sewell would be amazing. I mean, in terms of just talent-wise, he'd be great, but it'd be – It'd be tough for me to see a team take another left tackle who they'd have to play at right tackle. But, I mean, you never know what's going to happen. I just think – I think offensive tackles are one of those positions where it's like it's like a quarterback or a defensive end. If there's that stud one there, teams don't pass on them. So, I have Sewell. I mean, obviously, we have different drafts, but I just don't think Sewell's going to make it out of the top five. But uh, if he does, mm-hmm. I mean, that's a huge fucking pick for Carolina. I could see teams – racing to the phones to call them to trade up if he makes it that far because there's going to be teams that want that book and left tackle look at kansas city maybe kansas city fucking trades a bunch of picks and says you know what we'll move up from 31 and we'll take penny swell so gonna be interesting i mean obviously we don't predict trades because they're fucking wild but uh right i guess you never know pick number why we do this it's nice it's nice to have different opinions so you know oh 100 yeah um, and the Denver funny Broncos. Thing is that I, you and I have two different players, and there's a really good chance that it's not going to be either of them on the actual draft day. So that's the funniest thing about right. mock drafts. A lot. I mean, then, uh, so far we've we've stuck around the same position players, though. It seems for every pick, almost. Absolutely. I mean, like I said, with your top twenty teams, for the most part, you can kind of look at what the team needs are, and go whoever the top need is, whoever the top player is that fits that bill you have a pretty good idea of who these teams are going to take. It's when you get into the later picks, that's where you start to go, well, this team really needs an offensive lineman or they need a wide receiver. And then they go up to the podium and they take a running back. And you're like, what the fuck? They didn't really need one, but they do it anyway. So things get wild on draft day. And I mean, even the top 20 is not very predictable, but position wise, you just kind of go with a gut feeling and and an idea. Mm -hmm. So you are up with the the Denver Broncos pick number nine. I got the Broncos taking a defensive player. I got him taking um, your guy you just drafted, uh, Patrick Sertain, cornerback corner at Alabama there, the Broncos. Okay. 
Broncos, I was a little uh, skeptical on. It took me a while to make that pick, if I'm being honest. I was torn between a quarterback because I think uh, Drew Locke well, sucks. One, sure. I, think, I think Denver agrees that he sucks, but at the same time, I don't think they're in a position to take a Trey Lance who's still available for me or a Mac Jones because I just – why would you substitute one shitty quarterback for another uh, in terms of Mac Jones? So I have them going defense. I have them going linebacker, the best one available. Micah Parsons from Penn State. Just I think the linebacker is a bit of a need for them. It's not a sexy pick, but I just think overall they went with uh, – they took Jerry Judy last year. So they got the wide receiver, so I don't think that's much of an option for them. Uh, I, again, not a sexy pick or anything like that. I just think that it's it's a good player that could play there for a long time and just be a consistent linebacker for them. So – I went Micah Parsons. Okay. Number um, 10, the Dallas Cowboys. <clears throat> I've got the Cowboys taking a cornerback. I got him taking J.C. Horn. Oh, I, I, I'm sorry. You your okay. first pick. I apologize. You're, you're the one who has oh, you're the fine. first you time. <laughs> so J.C. Horn. This was another one that I was torn on because Dallas had one of the worst defenses in football last year, if I'm being honest. And – they could obviously use every single position on defense for the most part. Absolutely. Um, my thing here, though, it kind of falls into the Joe Burrow aspect. They just paid Dak Prescott a fuckload of money. Last year, they had one of the probably one of the most efficient offenses in football. They were on pace to, to maybe break some records and set some new uh, set some records, I should say, for offense until Dak Prescott got hurt. Their biggest issue, obviously their defense was trash, but at the same time, their offensive line, they had no depth. They had so many injuries. They had guys moving around playing out of position. So for that, I have them taking the next best available offensive lineman, and they just need to keep Dak Prescott up. They need to give Ezekiel Elliott a little bit of protection so he can go back to playing like he used to, and I think they'll be in good shape on offense. I'm going with Rashawn Slater, offensive tackle out of Northwestern. Just because, again, you don't give Dak that kind of money and not keep him protected. After that injury he had last year, after even Andy Dalton came in and got killed because they had no offensive line, Zeke can't get going because they have no one blocking for him. I think, to me, again, their defense is trash. They addressed it a little bit in the offseason with free agency. Not enough to where they're a, a Super Bowl contender, but enough to where they can get by. Offensively, though, I really think they need to protect that they're they're money makers so i'm going offensive line for the 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 cowboys it's a good pick yeah i mean i was kind of back and forth on this one too i just feel like i I feel like jerry just reaches for those 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 defensive you know one thing though i I have i have another buddy in my my group text who's a diehard cowboys fan and uh i forgot his name but jerry jones's son has actually been really in control of the team over the last couple of years. They don't, they kind of took some power away from Jerry because he was making some bad decisions. So, okay. uh, so for me, that just, that's kind of why I went with the more logical pick, like just the more like sensible, like if you're going to pay Dak that kind of money and you already pay Zeke that kind of money, you have Amari Cooper, you just uh, drafted CD lamb last year. You have all these guys that you need to get the ball to, but you just can't because that offensive line is so bad. I mean, again, I could easily see them go with a defensive player, especially corner because of how bad their defense was. But I just went with the offensive line because I think protecting everybody is the utmost importance. It's funny how they had like the best offensive line in football a couple years ago. 
<laughs> and that's the big issue. Like the, the, the main concern is that Tyron Smith is one of the best tackles in football or was, and you can't, you can't rely on him anymore. He can't stay healthy. He's not as good. So I think it's time for them to upgrade that offensive line a little bit. And I think going young mm-hmm. and going with a rookie contract for Rashawn Slater, in my opinion, would be a smart move for them. They're a Absolutely. team that I've heard serious rumors about them wanting to trade up. And as if their offense wasn't scary enough, there's rumors that they are infatuated with Kyle Pitts. And that's a position that they need as a tight end. But imagine that. I mean, you have Amari Cooper, C.D. Lamb, Zeke, Dak Prescott, and then you maybe throw in Kyle Pitts. The only problem is I hope they like five-yard routes because you don't have time to throw in the fucking ball with that offensive line. So, yeah, I was going to say, how are you going to get quick, the ball to these people? That's some crazy. quick hitters. So, yeah, so we'll see what happens. But I have the Cowboys taking an offensive line, and I think that's their biggest need. And I think you got to protect Dak Prescott. Uh, the 11th pick, the New York football giants. It's kind of funny. One thing I learned, I, I paid attention to was the amount of times you have teams in the same conference or same division, um, picking back to back or back to back to back in this situation where we have Dallas giants and Eagles right away. Right. But, uh, go ahead. Right. The giants. No, I went first in the Cowboys. Go ahead. You went go first this time. Oh, okay. I have the Giants going quitty pay, defensive lineman out of Michigan. Um, I was just kind of thinking about – I mean, they have a lot of needs also, I think, offensively. They just signed Kenny Galladay. You have Barkley coming back. You have Daniel Jones, who they're hoping is the future. So I just went with one of the best players on defense that I saw, and uh, I went with quitty pay. Nothing too special behind it. It was more so just uh, there were a few guys on a list I could have put, and I just decided to roll the dice with him. That's, I mean, it's a good thing. We're both in the same position here. I, but I went with that uh, Gregory. I'm going to mess his last name up. Rasau or whatever his name is. Uh, the uh, edge rusher out of Miami. Oh, uh, from Florida. Yeah. Or, or Miami, I mean. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, that's a good pick. I mean, he's more of an edge guy, whereas Quiddy Pay, I think, is going to play more interior. He's a little, he could kind of do both. Quiddy Pay, I, I, I see him making his money in the defensive tackle position. I know they, they just uh, re signed Leonard Williams. Um, so that's a huge addition to their defensive line. They're a team, the giants that can kind of go anywhere. They're in a good position. Uh, they could trade, they could take really almost any position, especially on defense. I don't see them going offensive line again, cause they just went with an offensive lineman last year, even though, uh, Andrew Thomas struggled a little bit, but, uh, you never know. I just decided to go with the, who I thought was one of the better defensive players. And as did you. So, We'll see what happens with them. We were both in the same mm-hmm. ballpark, though. Absolutely. Uh, all right. Sticking in the NFC East, we have the Philadelphia Eagles. I got the Eagles Go taking uh, Gumby out of Alabama. Devontae Smith going there, I believe. Wide receiver. Okay. So, I same exact position, same school even. I have Jalen Waddle going here because wide receivers – I mean, the, the Eagles' offense was atrocious last year, regardless of who was playing quarterback. And I just think that they're going to really – they're all in on uh, Jalen Hurts, so got to get the guy some weapons, get him somebody to throw to. It looks like Zach Ertz might no longer be on the team soon. They've been trying to trade him. I could see him being a cap casualty before the season starts. He's not getting any younger, healthier, or better. Mm-hmm. Um, but you definitely have to get your young quarterback some weapons, so I could see them going with a wide receiver, absolutely. Uh, he's off your board for your draft, and Devontae Smith is off my board. So while Waddle or Smith, could easily be the pick there. Great minds think alike. Uh, Chargers right. up next. Number number 13, Chargers. I am going to stick with the 
Cincinnati and Dallas mindset. I'm going offensive lineman because you have to protect Justin Herbert. I have them taking Christian Darisaw, offensive tackle out of Virginia Tech. Justin Herbert looks like he could be a potential face of the NFL. Great quarterback. You got to keep him healthy. One way to do that, get him a good good left tackle. So, again, not a sexy pick, just a smart football-based pick. I wish you could see my 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 draft board right now. It's funny how we're, we're just on the same page, you and I. Um, I have them taking an offensive lineman as well, but I have them taking Rayshon Slater there. Okay. So Slater, I have him as my second offensive tackle, and obviously he's already gone on my draft. I actually had them taking Elijah Vera Tucker out of USC, but I crossed him off and I went with Darisaw because I think Tucker, he's one of those, he might be an interior guy, better suited, but I also have, uh, but I think they need a, 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 a real left tackle. So I went with mm-hmm. Christian Darisaw, so I switched it up there. But uh, that was my first pick that I had to cross off and go back and redo. Nice. Um, next up with Minnesota, I actually have Christian Darisaw going to the Minnesota Vikings, right? So offensive line was – this was another pick that, I mean, Minnesota needs a lot. So I was looking at a lot of different players. I just decided with – they've had some failed defensive end experiments. I have them just going for a, the best defensive end available, and that's Aziz Ojolari, defensive end out of Georgia. Um, he's a good good defensive end. I think the Minnesota used to be known for their defensive line. They haven't really had that in a few years very well could go offensive line because they had to make some tough decisions and let some guys go because they are crippled by that Kirk Cousins contract. So really any, any line position, whether it be offensive or defensive could easily be the pick here for uh, Minnesota. So that's definitely a good thought process by you. This was another one that I probably spent 10 to 20 minutes going back and forth on players. I could see them going a, a few positions on defense and obviously offensive line. In the end, I just kind of went for, do you want a, a consensus? Um, Ojolari is kind of, by some considered one of the best defensive ends. And in my opinion, there's four positions in the NFL that if you have a stud staring you in the face, you don't pass that up. And that's quarterback, left tackle, cornerback, and defensive end. So I just kind of went with that thought process. And I thought that there's, to me, in, in, in terms of who's left on my board, there's no other position that that outweighs anybody other than defensive end here. So I have them going with who might be their number one guy on their board, uh, Aziz Ojolari. So that was my pick, defensive end out of Georgia. Mm-hmm. Yeah, see, I had them. Uh, my their their top two okay. needs for me was edge and offensive line. So I was back and forth on that too. Hundred percent. Yeah, I was back and forth on that the entire time, and it was also a spot of like, who do I think they take? Do they go with maybe Jalen Phillips? Do they go with? You know, again, any offensive lineman, Elijah Vera Tucker, do they go with, you know, Alex Leatherwood? They could have gone anywhere. So I just ended up going with the defensive end um, because I think that's something Minnesota might try to get back into is being known for that good defense. But you never know. They're, again, one of those teams that they could go anywhere. Uh, Number 15, New England. This is where I told you a little bit earlier I said they are taking – I have them taking a quarterback. I went with Trey Lance here. Uh, Mm. I have them going with Trey Lance, quarterback, North Dakota State. Uh, that's because he seems like the kind of guy that he needs some developmental time. He seems like the kind of guy that could learn a lot from Cam Newton. And obviously, Bill Belichick and Kyle Shanahan, I just like him better 
as an NFL prospect than Mac Jones, who is the other available quarterback. So I went with it. I went with uh, Trey Lance here. I just think Bill Belichick is so fucking scorned by Tom Brady winning the Super Bowl without him last year. That's why they went all in on free agency. I think Bill Belichick's going all in on building another dynasty. So I think he's going to try to get himself that young quarterback to build around and develop and, and go from there. And I just think Trey Lance is the best option for them, in my opinion. I'm not a huge Trey Lance fan, personally. I think he's a little overhyped. And again, I think if we were back in the old days where first-round picks made crazy money, Mac Jones, Trey Lance, and probably Zach Wilson aren't even considered in the first round, in my opinion. But it's a different age, different era. Quarterbacks are picked up and, and drafted like fucking crazy. Um, go back and look at some of the last few drafts. Look at some of the early quarterbacks that get taken where you shake your head at now and go, what the fuck were they thinking? But that's just the, the day and age we're in. So I'm going Trey Lance, 15th, New England. Kyle, nice. you're up. I'm, go- I'm going quarterback as well, but I'm going with the Mac attack, Mac Jones there. I think uh, the big man looks like he I think he's going to – He's going to roll the dice, I think. You think he's going to be able to take him and groom him like he did another quarterback back in the day that, that no one really thought of too much. But we'll see. I mean, but yeah, I, I do think they take quarterback. Take an, if anyone knows how to take an out-of-shape white guy and turn him into a perennial all-star, that could be Bill Belichick. So we'll see if he, he can find magic twice. Right. But yeah, Mac, Mac Jones. I'll never Mac forget the, uh, the infamous Tom Brady photo from, from his it's combine. So, dep- so depressing to look at, man. <laughs> Oh, 100%. All right, 16th, Arizona, you are up. I've got them taking the um, – I got them taking Vera Tucker there um, out of USC, the offensive okay. tackle. Protect Kyler Murray a little bit. Yep. So they're a team, interesting uh, situation. They, they, went off, they went after J.J. Watt. They did a couple signings in free agency. They lost a couple guys. Uh, they lost Hassan Reddick. They lost um, Patrick Peterson. So they have some holes to fill uh, offensively. I mean, you have DeAndre Hopkins. I expect Larry Fitzgerald to retire by no means. So I think they're going wide receiver here. They very well could though, but they're one of those teams that you were, we're at the point where team need is not necessarily the number one priority. These are the kind of teams that could just take whoever they think is best. So it is, it is a situation where they could go wide receiver. They could go, you know, offensive line, any, any position really. But I have them rolling the dice to try to replace Patrick Peterson. I have them going Caleb Farley, who's recovering from a surgery. But if it weren't for that surgery, he was sought after as one of the top corners in this draft. Uh, I think if he makes a full recovery, it would be a steal of a pick for the Cardinals. And I rolled the dice there and just thought, fuck it. He's got to come off the board eventually. So I have them taking Caleb Farley, cornerback out of Virginia Tech. Yeah, they, again, need quarter, they need cornerback. They're in a situation where they could go anywhere. Line. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. That's a good pick. Uh, next up, we have the Las Vegas Raiders. I have them taking Jeremiah Awuzu Koromosa, linebacker, Notre Dame. Finally, one of your Irish come off the board. Um, in my opinion, the Raiders are one of the worst drafting teams in football. I mean, they took Cleland Farrell a couple years ago. Uh, last year, they took, uh, what the fuck's his name? Something Arnett or whatever, the, the kid from Ohio State. Way too early. Uh, the Raiders are just known for bad draft picks, let's be honest. Um, so this is a smart pick for them because they need the linebacker help. Do I think they actually make a smart smart pick? Probably not. But I went with what I would do if I were in the, in the Raiders situation. So that just goes to show you that I will be very, very wrong on this pick. 
That's a good pick, not only because he's from Notre Dame, but I think that kid is is a lot of potential. He's small. If, if, he, if he somehow made it to 26, I would not be mad about it as a Browns fan. But, uh, but again, just one of the needs for the Raiders. Um, but they're just – they're known for taking guys way too fucking early. And a lot of times it's way too early for a reason because they end up not being that good. Mm-hmm. I've, got the, uh, I've got the Raiders staying on defense. I got them taking Zavon Collins, the uh, edge rusher out of Tulsa. Okay. I could see that they, they, they need absolutely. defense. I mean, I, they absolutely need defense. See Collins for me. I mean, we'll talk more about him later. I have him going in the first round, so we'll break him down when I get there. But I, I like him a lot because he's so versatile. He can play on the edge, uh, especially in a three-four defense. But in a four-three, I could see him just playing strictly linebacker. Uh, mm-hmm. He's got size, speed. He has a nose for the football. He uh, he's one of my favorite Collins or uh, one of my favorite players this year coming out. One of my favorite prospects. Um, I'm a big fan of him. I have all that high talk. I feel like you have him going at 26 already. (laughs) Uh, I've I've been saying it from the beginning to my buddies that I talk draft with regularly, that he is my, I'm holding out hope that he's going to make it to 26. I love Zayvon Collins. He would probably be my, my top choice if I, if I have any, any say in it. Um, Mm -hmm. but yeah, I mean, he's the kind of guy that can play multiple positions. He is talented enough to, to do it all for the most part in, in terms of a linebacker, he can, he can cover, he can make the tackles. He has sideline, sideline speed. He can rush the passer, you know, just overall, he's a really good player. Um, kind of, he's, he's got good size. So he's a little, he's bigger and not as similar to Isaiah Simmons from last year, who was that kind of guy that we both really liked coming out. But mm-hmm. then when the Cardinals took him, he played last year and wasn't really too productive. Let's be honest. I think he was a right. little too, he might be a little undersized for the NFL. He's more of a potential safety, but he's too slow to be a real safety, but he's also too small to be a real linebacker. So it's one of those situations where I'm kind of happy he went before 10 because I would have wanted him and I'm glad I'm not running the Browns, but, uh, but yeah, so good picks for both of us. We both have the same situation in mind defense, um, but the Raiders inevitably will not take him. They're going to fuck it up and we'll see what happens. They're going to draft a kicker. I'm sure. So it's okay. More than likely, <laughs> Sebastian Janikowski 2.0. Uh, we got Number Miami 18, up next. Miami with their second pick. Uh, I have the – or you're first. I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, I was back and forth in this one because I, I was back and forth in offense and defense um, looking at offensive line. Um, but I, I went to defensive line. I went with Jalen Phillips um, out of Miami. So he's just going to walk down the street to go to his new home now. So yeah, Pretty much. So, yeah, this is an interesting situation. It's always nice for a young team to have multiple draft picks, especially in the first round. Uh, Miami can kind of do whatever the fuck they want with this. Earlier, I had them taking Jamar Chase. You had them taking um, Kyle Pitts, right? Yep. Okay, so you have uh, a lot of Florida homegrown guys staying in the home state. Um, But, yeah, so getting a weapon for Tua is, is of the utmost importance, in my opinion. And then now I have it where you have them trying to protect him. So I have them going with Elijah Vera Tucker, offensive lineman out of USC. USC. Mm-hmm. So a little bit of a distance to travel going from Southern California to Miami. But, uh, but I uh, think protecting I... two is a big deal. So they're going to get him that, that offensive lineman. Vera Tucker is one of those versatile guys. I think he's better suited to play a guard. Um, and at, at 19 or 18, I'm sorry, that's a good spot to take an offensive guard. 
Maybe he can try a little bit at tackle. I don't personally think he's good enough. Maybe right tackle down the line, but I would I would think guards his better position. But uh, just getting some sort of protection for Tua is top priority. Getting him weapons. So I'm sticking double offense for Miami. Nice, it's a good pick. Next up, the Washington football team. This is where I have Big Mac, Big Mac Jones, going. Uh, to Al- out of Alabama, quarterback going to Washington. I think Washington's desperate to find themselves a quarterback. Tyler Henneke, uh was good in the playoffs. He was decent. He's by no means a franchise guy. Um, didn't they sign? They signed Ryan Fitzpatrick, right? Yes. Yeah. So he's a guy that, you know, the beard's going to go in there. He's going to be decent. He's going to have his shit games. He's going to probably get hurt a couple times. It's going to be a whole thing. He obviously, he never goes somewhere and stays too long. He's always there for a cup of coffee. So I have them taking Mac Jones, hoping that he's the quarterback of the future. I've said it before, I'm not a Mac Jones fan. I don't think his game really translates to the NFL that well. Uh, So it's a bit of a reach for Washington, but I think they are at a position where their defense is really good. Their offense has a lot of pieces. Their main concern is to find that quarterback. So I think they maybe roll the dice here. But at the same time, I could see them being a little smarter and – you know, Riverboat Ron, maybe he goes, you know, who knows what they could go with. They have a, they're a playoff team, but at the same time, they have some, some holes that could be addressed. But uh, I just went with the quarterback. I tried to go who they think might be the best player for them. Nice. Good pick. I'll, I'll give my pick. And then we have a comment from uh, Mr. Conversation, it seems. Um, and then I'll play that after my pick. Uh, I went offensive line. I went Alex Leatherwood out of Alabama, uh, the lineman there. Uh, I think they need to protect Fitzpatrick, but I think that's a long-term thing too because I feel they're probably going to draft the quarterback next year. Yeah, absolutely. All right. Let's play Mr. Conversations. Gentlemen, thank you for doing your mock draft show. May I inquire who you have the Giants selecting at number 12? Thank you. All right, Mm -hmm. so the Giants are actually 11. Um, I had them taking Quiddy Pay. Defensive lineman out of Michigan. Uh, Kyle, you had them taking an offensive lineman, if I'm not mistaken. No, no, I'm sorry. You edge rusher. Gregory. Pass rusher. Yeah, it was a Gregory yeah. Rassau, I think his name is. Yeah, I'm messing his last Rousseau or something like that. Rousseau, like yeah. French names. Um, Rousseau. Yeah, we're both going defensive line for them. I think the Giants are, you know, the, I, I'm not a Daniel Jones fan personally. I think that he's pretty limited as a quarterback. But, I mean, they're going for it. Give him credit. Kenny Galladay. You have Barkley coming back. Um, they just need a little help on defense. I went with Quiddy Pay. I just think him, Leonard Williams, and the defensive line is really going to help them. The Giants actually had a surprisingly decent defense last year, so why not throw a little more on it and uh, keep it going? So back to the draft. Appreciate the question. Um, Chicago. 20, next. Chicago Bears. You. <clears throat> yep. Uh, you're up. I, I just went Mac Jones. Oh, it was me. It's right. I got Rayshon Bateman, wide receiver out of Minnesota, going to Chicago. Okay. Uh, we have, we were, we're, we're thinking similar. I was, I was debating between a wide receiver there as well, but um, I don't know. The bears are in a weird situation there. They let Mitch Trubisky go. He obviously didn't play to his full potential. Uh, they didn't really address the quarterback position to get a franchise guy. They brought in the red rocket, uh, Andy Dalton. And I just went with a pretty boring pick here. They're a team that has a lot of holes. They could use a lot of help. I just think offensive line is, again, it's a boring pick. It's not the sexiest pick, but I have them going Tevin Jenkins, offensive tackle out of Oklahoma State. 
just to get a little protection in there for Dalton. Um, just to hope he can stay upright just long enough to throw the ball a little bit. I'm not expecting much from the Bears this year. Uh, it's a shame because they've they had a pretty decent team for the last few years, but they just couldn't get it together because Mitch Trubisky, injuries, things of that nature. I don't think Andy Dalton's going to come in and, and change anything. So, again, pretty boring pick, but I just went offensive lineman. I think that Andy Dalton's the answer to all their questions. I'm not quite sure what you're talking about right now. I mean, in their defense, they went with a redhead so they could see him in a snowstorm. So they're in good shape in that situation because those winters in Chicago can be blustery. Oh, poor Bears. They never get the quarterback position fixed. It's crazy. Right. Sounds like sounds like the Cleveland Browns for the last 15 years. But in the Bears' defense, they at least consistently win pretty much. At least they, they every few years, they're, they're pretty decent. Right. That's true. True. Um, we got Colts next. Is it my pick, your pick? My pick? Um, your pick. So the Indianapolis Colts, they uh, they traded for Carson Wentz. They were obviously a playoff team last year with Phillip Rivers. Um, Frank Reich and uh, Carson Wentz are two peas in a pod. Those two were great together in Philadelphia. We'll see if the magic continues in Indianapolis. I went with, because I think, uh, who did they have? Alan, not Alan Houston, I'm sorry. Uh, Justin Houston. He's not getting any younger. Uh, I just went with the best overall player, I think, for them. And I went with Jalen Phillips, defensive end out of Florida. Uh, just a nice pass rusher. Uh, pretty basic pick, but just something that every team needs. Get a little mm-hmm. pressure on the quarterback. The Colts mm-hmm. defense last year was pretty good. Their offense was good also. Um, but they had some injuries on defense they weren't able to overcome. And offensively, they were a little handcuffed when you have an old statuesque quarterback in Phillip Rivers throwing to old players like Ty T.Y. Hilton and and stuff. So I think they have a nice young core though now with Carson Wentz, uh, Jonathan Taylor. Should be a decent team, fun team to watch. But again, nothing too crazy. I just went with a nice defensive end for them. It's a good pick. I, we're on the same page again. I went with uh, Quidi Pay out of Michigan there for them. I think that's going to be a nice. Um... Nice addition to their defense. And, I mean, their defense is already good. So, I think it only goes right. up from there. <clears throat> yeah, good pick. I mean, again, when, when, you're, when you're in the 20s, it's more so just these teams are going to take whoever's the top of their board because you need to eventually – when you're a playoff team, that means you're probably spending money on some big position players. So, you have to just kind of keep cycling through with younger, cheaper players. So, uh, who they trade for last, last year? Um, the defensive lineman from San Francisco. I forgot his name. Um, mm. fuck, what I don't remember, but uh, so yeah, they have a pretty good defense, they've got some nice talent there, but yeah, with Quiddy Pay, that could be a potential replacement in the future. The Forrest Buckner, uh, Buckner, that's it, yeah. So they traded for Buckner, uh, by no means is he like old and over the hill, but at the same time, yeah, Quiddy Pay could come in and, and be a nice interior player to play right next to him, so wouldn't be a bad pick at all, but you mm-hmm. know, for me, I have Quiddy Pay off the board early, so. Not a bad pick at all for Indianapolis. If I have him going 11th and he makes it to 21, that's not bad. But Quiddy Pay is one of those players that I have seen all over the board. So I'm going to be curious to see where he goes. I've seen him as far as, you know, top 15 pick. And I've seen him as far as, you know, barely barely getting taken in the first round. So we'll see what happens. Drafts are always fun and crazy. It's a Michigan bias in me. I can bury him in the ground. I can care less, but it's okay. <laughs> yeah, him, to me, he's no longer a Michigan player. So fuck it. Uh, we got uh, Titans. Next up. Tennessee. So I was back and uh, forth. They was that you, me or you? Yeah, it's me, right? 
Uh, yeah, I think so. Okay. Yep. So I was, I was back and forth. I was, I was either defense cornerback or wide receiver. I went with wide receiver. I haven't taken Elijah Moore out of Ole Miss um, to replace um, Davis that they lost last year. Correct. Yeah. Corey Davis. He's the one who went to, uh, to uh, the jets. Yep. Um, good pick. Uh, I, I went defense only because, uh, I got into, you know, you know me and my arguments with Browns fans. Browns fans like to try to rub in my face that Baker dominated the Titans, and that's because Baker's amazing. Fun fact, uh, Browns fans and Baker fans alike, the Tennessee Titans defense was one of the worst defenses in football, secondary especially. It was down there, bottom of the barrel, next to the Dallas Cowboys, who if you laugh at their defense, then feel free to laugh at the Titans defense because they were just as bad. So the Titans defense was fucking awful last year. They helped the pass rush by getting Bud Dupree, but I think their secondary needs some major help. I have them taking Asante Samuel Jr., corner out of Florida State, uh, because Tennessee's offense, they're not known for – I mean, don't get me wrong, Corey Davis played very well for them last year, and uh, what's the other one, A.J. Brown or whatever. Um, Joe Smith had a good year. He's now gone. Obviously, Derrick Henry, they're pass heavy. Ryan Tannehill, their, their offense is going to be fine. I could easily see them taking a wide receiver for sure, but I also think they just they have to address that defense. Their defense was so fucking bad. So I'm going corner. Asante right. Samuel Jr. Good pick. Yeah, I agree. Uh, I mean, up. I'm not going to agree with the Baker slander, but I'll agree that they do need it's help on defense. Facts. It's not slander. It's just truthful. <laughs> if, you, if, you, if you think me saying their defense is terrible is, is a lie, feel free to look it up. It was bad. <laughs> it's nothing that can't be found on the internet. Um, and then we have... 23, the New York football Jets picking for the second time in the first round. This was the Seattle Seahawks pick they got in exchange for um, Jamal Adams. So I have them here. Again, going kind of best player available. The Jets have a million holes to fill. Uh, they do have Makai Becton at offensive tackle. So Mac Jones, they need interior offensive line help. So I can easily see them going with like an Alex Leatherwood or something of the sort. But I just have them going defense. Robert Sala is a defensive-minded coach. I think he's going to want to try to get himself some defensive help. So I have them going J.C. Horn, cornerback out of South Carolina here at 23. Mm -hmm. Good pick. Yeah, I had him going earlier, obviously. But, yeah, we're on the same page. I got him taking a cornerback as well. I got him taking Greg Newsom out of North Northwestern there. Greg Newsom the third. Mm -hmm. Is it the third or second? No, he's the second, I think maybe. It's the second, Either I way. Yeah. Yeah, who cares? Uh, good pick. He's a good player. He's a guy that's definitely on my radar for the Browns at 26. We'll get into that when we get there. I said on the radar, not my picks. So I don't want it. No spoilers. Uh, <laughs> next up, we have the Schittsburg Steelers. Kyle, start us off. Well, they need all the help they can get to protect that old man behind the line. So I got him taking an old offensive tackle. Um, I got him taking Tavon Jenkins out of uh, Oklahoma State. We are on the same page. Same thing. They got to keep Ben healthy. He is aging. He's deteriorating. He's somehow now older than Betty White. I don't understand how he passed her up, but he is aging like milk. So uh, I have Pittsburgh taking Alex Leatherwood, offensive guard out of Alabama, because same thing. I think, you know, with Pouncey retiring, they lost Villanueva. Their offensive line is shit. Uh, they, they can't get a running game going. The best thing they can do is just try to keep Ben on his feet. And I think an, off, an interior offensive lineman, best available, uh, Alex Otherwood, that's the pick. They just lost James Conner to Arizona. He just signed with them like last week. I wouldn't even really say lost because 
I think James Conner was a bad running back. I've always said that. A lot of people thought it was just me being, you know, a dick because he's from Pittsburgh and this and that, but he really just isn't a good running back. Um, so, yeah, I think they uh, they just their top priority right now is to keep Ben on his feet. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they need to protect him. So, yeah, we're on the same page. Offensive line is the only pick you should pick there. Yeah. All right, next up, we have 25, the Jacksonville Jaguars picking for the second time. This pick comes from the Rams. This was part of the – was it the Jalen Ramsey deal? I think so. It, it was. Um, excuse me. Uh, so, for the Jacksonville Jaguars, I have them taking Travon Morig, safety out of Texas Christian University. This is one of those picks, again, when you're a bad team like the Jets and the Jags um, and you have multiple first-round picks you can kind of toy around with the second one and just kind of take whoever the best player on your board is, or you could kind of get a little picky and, and roll the dice because it is an extra pick. So the Jacksonville Jaguars already locked up their franchise quarterback, hopefully in Trevor Lawrence. Now I just have them filling a position of need and that's safety. Uh, I think Morg is the, the best safety in the draft. So I have him finally coming off the board here at 25 to Jacksonville. Well, it only took 23 picks, but we have the same player going to the same team. So Really? Okay. Absolutely. That was my pick there for them as well. All right. Now we have the Cleveland Browns, and obviously we are a Cleveland-based show. Uh, Obviously, we spend more time on this team than any other team. And I'm not going to lie to you. This was fucking hard for me to come up with a pick here because we need so many things. We obviously I've got four people written down. (laughs) Yeah, I I have. This was another one where I had to cross a few off. We obviously need corner help. We obviously need linebackers. We obviously need offensive line depth. Let's be honest. Uh, Quick breakdown of that. We have Wyatt Teller, who is arguably the best right guard in football. He is on his last year of his contract. Probably going to want a big payday. Probably not going to get it in Cleveland because we need to be smart with our money. Uh, Joel Batonio and J.C. Treader, both in their 30s or nearing. Both contracts only have two years left. Time to start looking for the future there. We did draft Nick Harris last year to hopefully be a future guy for that position. At the same time, just depth in general for the offensive line is very thin. We lost Kendall Lamb to free agency. He was a guy that could come in and play almost any position on the line. So we have that depth. And then obviously defensive line is a position of need now. When you lose Larry Ogunjobi, Sheldon Richardson, and Olivier Vernon in one offseason, we have kind of replaced some of that with Malik Jackson, who is 30-something years old, not getting any younger. Uh, Tack McKinney, we kept Porter Gustin. We still have a couple young guys from last year. Uh, and obviously adding Jadevian Clowney. So defensive line, interior especially, is also on the list of needs. So I originally had Christian Barmore, defensive tackle out of Bama. I crossed him off, and this is where I went with just who I think is the better overall player, and that's Zayvon Collins. I went with him, linebacker out of Tulsa. That was my pick for the Browns. Um, I've liked this kid coming out for the longest time, kind of a hopeful, wishful thinking that he's even going to make it to twenty-six. You have him already gone off of your board. I'm holding out hope that he's still available, and I went with it. So I have Zayvon Collins, linebacker out of Tulsa. I also, though, was thinking, because he's available for me, Greg Newsom would have been a good pick there. Again, Christian Barmore I originally wrote down. So, so many options for the Browns. Really, the only way to know what's going to happen there is if I was in the room with Andrew Barry and had a peek at his board. And we won't know what they're thinking until draft day. 
I could mm-hmm. also see us possibly trading back to acquire multiple first round picks for next year. Cause maybe that's a thing the Browns are going to start doing. We realize we're going to have to pay Baker. We're going to have to pay Nick Chubb. We're going to have to pay uh, Denzel Ward. You know, a lot of money is getting tossed around. A lot of money is going to be needed. So what you do in a situation like that is you have to go through the draft. You draft these young kids. You hope to get them in a first round because then you get that fifth year option on them. And uh, you have to be financially smart for the future. So a trade is definitely possible, but <clears throat> I don't, I don't uh, gamble on trades. So I just went with Zayvon Collins. I mean, I think I, like I guess I had four people written down. I was all over the board. Um, it was all defense. Yeah. Uh, nothing was on offense. It was all defense. Um, but at first I wrote down my boy from Notre Dame, the linebacker. I thought I, if he's there, grab him. Right. Um, and right. then I had, I had Caleb Farley written down as well. I think he'd be great there if he fell that far. Um, uh, but then I, I realized that I didn't draft a linebacker in the first 25 picks and I, I'm going to go with Micah Parsons if he's there, I'm not saying he's going to fall okay. there, but I would take yeah, him in a heartbeat. I, I have Parsons going top 10. So, yeah. So I, that's where I stuck with it was Micah Parsons, the linebacker going there to the Browns. All right. I mean, we're both on the same page. We both think linebacker Parsons for me would be a great, great value pick at 26. I just don't see him getting there, but I mean, anything's possible. There's probably a couple guys for both of us that we have going top 10, top 15. That's might not even, they might not even go in the first round because anything's right. possible with the draft. It's always all over the place. So uh, like, I mean, uh, excuse me, just using the Browns uh, as an example, uh, two years ago, I projected Greedy, Greedy Williams to be a late first-round pick. That was the year we traded our first-round pick for Odell Beckham Jr. And I was watching the draft in Tennessee, and I remember telling my friends, I'm like, man, if the Browns traded back into the first round here for, you know, peanuts and took uh, Greedy Williams, I'd be pretty happy with that. Like, I was a big Greedy Williams fan, to be honest. And the fact that they were able to get him in the second round last year, same thing. I wanted Grant Delpit, and I thought he might go in the first round, maybe early second. We're, we were able to actually trade back and still get him in the second round, albeit both of them have barely played, and it makes me look like a fucking idiot. But uh, I'm man <laughs> enough to admit my mistakes. So you never know what's going to happen in the NFL. Well, but, you don't uh, know if it's a mistake yet, though, some... because they haven't played. You don't know if it's a mistake yet. That's I mean, Greedy is kind of iffy. They're just seeds that haven't sprouted yet. They're waiting to flourish. They, they need yeah. a minute. Be positive, not negative. There you go. Yes, very much so. All right, uh, 27, Baltimore Ravens. Kyle, take it away. I've got them taking the – they need to put some defense. I was back and forth in this one. I mean, I, I thought they are going to go in a, the offensive tackle, an edge rusher. So I stuck with edge rusher. I went Jason Owa. Is it Owa? O, O-E yeah. from Penn State? Um, I, I think that they, that would, their defense, they've always been big on their defense. I think they're going to bolster it, draft somebody in the defense. Uh, they got Sammy Watkins in the off season for a one-year contract. That's the wide receiver spot. They could probably use another wide receiver. God knows with whatever the hell they're doing. But yeah, I went with a uh, edge rusher there. Ladies and gentlemen, we've done it again. I have the, holy shit. Yes, we do. Wow. Um, so yeah. And I mean, you broke it down beautifully. I think the same thing they lost, um, Matthew Judon in the offseason. Uh, they need to kind of help. The Baltimore defense has always been known, or Baltimore Ravens have always been known for being a defensive first team. Um, you know, they're experimenting with some shit on offense. It's obviously not doing much. It's, it's nice for the regular season, but that's about it. Uh, but defensively, they obviously need to add some help. And I think pass rusher, again, is one of those positions where if there's a player staring you in the face, you take him. So I have them going with Jason Owa as well. 
Wow, two times. This might be uh, after the first three picks. This might be a first. I think we got nothing yeah, correct wild. last year. After I think last year our first three picks were right, but we were, we were all over the board last year. Yeah. <laughs> awesome. All right, um, all right. Saints. Eight. The New Orleans Saints. Uh, hopefully, he's still listening. Nervous Larry, I think it was, who was a New Orleans fan. Uh, the Saints. I have them going. This was another situation before I give the name. This was a team that obviously Drew Brees retired. So quarterback, I think, is of utmost importance. I don't understand the Taysom Hill infatuation. I don't think Jameis Winston's going to revive his career. Um, with that being said, I do not have them taking a quarterback here, but they're in a position where they could pretty much take anybody. It just depends on their board. Yeah. Uh, they have Michael Thomas, a wide receiver, who couldn't stay healthy last year. Uh, you have Alvin Kamara, who's one of the most dynamic running backs in football. They lost some players on defense and free agency. So, again, they could pretty much go anywhere, but I'm rolling the dice. I have them going Rondale Moore, wide receiver out of Purdue. Uh, they, they, they got Emmanuel Sanders last year. He did next to nothing. Uh, again, that had a lot to do with, with Drew Brees being hurt for most of the year and just declining his talent at his age. So I have them going Rondale Moore. Rondale Moore is a little bit of an undersized wide receiver. Tavon Austin-esque. He is quick. He's shifty. He's one of those guys that could be dynamic, and I think that's something Sean Payton loves. It's great for a dome. You just have this quick, shifty guy. You team him up with, with and Alvin Kamara, and once they get themselves a quarterback, that offense could be dangerous. So I rolled the dice. I went wide receiver. I went Rondale Moore out of Purdue. Well, I'll tell you, he was my pick there, and I crossed him okay. off. And I, I went with the guy that I originally put down for the Browns, uh, in uh, Caleb Farley, uh, cornerback, okay. if he drops I mean, there, again, yeah, there's so many options for the Saints. They're in a position where they're – it sucks because I'm I'm a, not a, a Saints fan per se, but I do enjoy – I watched – I loved watching Drew Brees, Michael Thomas, Kamara, all those guys. I always found the Saints to be an entertaining team to watch, so it's kind of sad to see it all come to an end. Um, but uh, forward can't be stopped. Drew Brees is gone. It's time to look forward. So, again, I mean, they could go fucking anywhere with this pick. I could also – I would not be surprised if they traded because they want to just acquire draft picks because they might be going towards partial rebuild. Um, but since I don't do trades, I went Rondale Moore. Just to see mm-hmm. what happens. Absolutely. Next up, Green Bay Packers. Kyle, take it away. Well, I took Rondale Moore and just slid him down the spot. I have the Packers going for wide receiver there just to give that man some more weapons up there. I think they uh, totally disrespected that guy last year. You made a point to say that. He's going to come out this year and prove him all wrong. And what did he do? Uh, I think that uh, I think he needs another weapon up there. Uh, I think Rondale Moore would be a great fit for him up there. See, I, I agree. Uh, I'm, in the, I'm in the boat, though, with the Packers where – their offense, with as long as you have Aaron Rodgers, your offense is going to be fine. I think he proved that last year. They did disrespect the fuck out of him. They used their first-round pick on Jordan Love. They spent zero draft picks on uh, weapons for him, wide receivers specifically. Um, they disrespected Aaron Rodgers big time. So wide receiver would make sense because I mean DeAndre Hopkins, or I'm sorry, uh, Devontae Adams is a, is a stud. He's arguably he's the best wide receiver in football, and he's doing it by himself. Get him some help. They do have Marquez Valdez-Scantling. They do have Alan Lazard. They have some okay guys backing up Devontae Adams, playing second and third fiddle. However, yes, a wide receiver would make a ton of sense for them. But again, kind of just go whatever they think is best on their board. One of the issues the Packers had last year was their run defense was pretty bad. Um, 
They had to make some cap adjustments. They did cut Christian Kirksey, who had a pretty decent year for them last year. Um, so it's just a, it's, a, it's a strange situation. I went defense. I went with who I previously had the Browns taking, and I went with Christian Barmore, and that's a defensive tackle out of Alabama, strictly because, again, never hurts to get some interior defensive help, get a guy that's going to help stop the run. So I rolled the dice there. Um, but you never know with these these late 20 picks. You never know what these guys are going to go after. So mm-hmm. I went Christian Barmore. Good pick. I had the I had their needs being wide receiver, linebacker, and cornerback for the Packers. So yeah, I think we were both right in the same ballpark there. Yeah, they've got some holes, nothing too glaring, but uh, I just I just went with the best player on the board. And to me, I think an interior defensive lineman is going to trump the remaining positions. But you never know. It's all about their board specifically. Uh, next up, number thirty, the Buffalo Bills. Um, I have them going Joseph Asai. Defensive end out of Texas, just because they need a little uh, edge rush help, and I could very well see them going possibly running back. You never know. I mean, they could be all over the place. So uh, when you're a good team like that, you could really just take whatever the fuck you want. I'm just going pass rusher for shits and giggles. Um, I haven't taken uh, defense as well, but taking cornerback, I got to take in Tyson Campbell out of Georgia. All right, makes sense. I mean, either one could be very well happen. Mm-hmm. Uh, number 31, the Kansas City Chiefs. You are up. They, they need to protect that quarterback. Um, I haven't taken an offensive lineman out of Michigan, Baker's brother, Jalen Mayfield. What are the odds? I have the same exact pick, and I have the same exact thought process on it. Uh, Kansas City showed in the Super Bowl that without protecting Patrick Mahomes, life gets difficult for him. And it's not his fault. He was basically playing on one foot. Um, and both of your stud tackles are out. That's a huge loss uh, for them, and it showed. It was a glaring hole for them in the Super Bowl. They stood no chance. No matter how great of weapons you have on the outside or even at running back, tight end, whatever, they're loaded means jack shit if if Patrick Mahomes doesn't have the time to get them the ball. So I agree completely. Protecting Mahomes at this point is of the utmost importance. They did sign um, Joe Thune. Mm-hmm. Yeah, which was a good signing for them, but he's a guard. So they do need a little outside. I think Jalen Mayfield could slide out to tackle and potentially be a future blindside blocker for uh, Mr. Mahomes. Number 32, the defending championship or defending champions, I should say Tampa Bay Buccaneers. I have been taking best player available. Uh, one of the positions of possible potential need for them is corner. Their corners weren't the greatest last year. I have them taking Greg Newsom the second out of Northwestern. This is where he comes off my board. Nice. That's a good pick. That'd be a great pick for them. Um, I got him taking defensive line here. I got him taking Levi, very long name person. <laughs> uh, is it Ono Rosinski? <laughs> ono was, was yeah, right. Yeah, something like that. I, I didn't see it to, to pronounce it. I'm not looking yeah, at anything right now. I got I him bolstering up that defensive line, though. <laughs> I, I think that the yeah. defensive line needs some depth to it, and I think that would add to that defensive line for another push for the Super Bowl run. Yeah, because they're trying to keep everything intact, which they've been they've done pretty well with uh, Shaq Barrett staying, with uh, Levante David staying. I'm pretty sure they – did they keep Sue, or are they still just trying to keep him? Um, I'm looking at that offensive – the offseason. Um, let's see here. Sue, I don't see him. Is he not a top 100? He would be, right? He might not be at this point in his career. That's a good point. No, I don't see him. 
on here. I don't know what he's done. Let's see. I know he's a free agent. But from what I saw, they were trying to keep him. Like his main, his main concern pretty much is he's staying in Tampa. It's just more so, um, what can they agree upon to get him to stay there? Um, oh, he, he reached a okay. He did he, a new contract. He yeah, he's there. Yep. Okay, that's what I thought. All right. So, so, he's, so he's Levi would just add depth weekend. to it. He's he's almost thirty five years old. So yeah, definitely taking some future depth for that team. But again, I don't think you're looking too far into the future if you're Tampa Bay. They're they're in a win win now kind of situation when you have Tom Brady. You understand that the window is eventually going to close. So. That's why they got a guy like Giovanni Bernard went there. They're keeping Sue, Shaq Barrett, Levante David. These guys are all in their 30s. Jason Pierre-Paul, not getting any younger. So might as well get some depth. But at the same time, it really doesn't matter because you're not drafting guys, rookies especially, to come in and be game changers. You're drafting just because you can, because you just won the fucking Super Bowl. So, um, yeah, definitely. I, I thought the same thing. They were another team that had a couple positions, a couple guys I could have went with. I just went with who I thought was the best available. And to me, that was Greg Newsom the second. Yeah. Well, I think our minds were on the same track for this entire draft. Absolutely. But that's exactly why it's not going to play out that way because we think with our heads and these guys that fucking get paid to do this for a living that actually make picks for their teams they screw it up so bad. They do such a poor job. It literally makes me want to bash my head against the fucking wall because I don't understand how these guys get these jobs when they're so bad at it. It doesn't make sense to me, but it is what it is. Maybe it's just the nepotism of the NFL. It's going to be it's interesting. I'm, I'm really excited to see what happens night one, you know, see who comes off the board. Well, I can't wait. Yeah, I'm excited. Uh, I mean, again, I think what we have written down right now, what we're keeping track of for the two of us is going to be all over the place because the amount of trades and shit like that. So what we have written down, we might as well just hold it over the fire just close enough to let it kind of smoke because it's about to be up in flames soon. (laughs) Uh, I'm pumped, though. Absolutely, me too. Um, With that being said, Kyle and I will be hopefully both in attendance for the the first night of the draft. Uh, I got an email the other day. Um, I'll just tell you now, cause we're here. <clears throat> They're going to be sending us um, our tickets, quote unquote, via the Ticketmaster app. So it'll just be a scan on your phone type thing. And I will be getting my buddy's information to have you log into his account and just get scanned as we walk in. So hopefully there's no, I don't think there's a name check, nothing like that. It's just a straight up, they're going to scan your phone. I also reached out to the NFL to verify a couple things. There is, even though we both are, there is no vaccination requirement to get in Hmm. anymore. They just asked a shitload of times, but they apparently didn't end up making it a prerequisite. So there will essentially be no need to show a vax card to match any identification so I think if I had to guess, I think you're good to go. I don't want to get your hopes up just in case you never know, but I think we're going to be okay. Yeah, I'm pumped. I mean, I'm, that's one of my lifelong dreams is to be there at the draft, man. I'm, I'm pumped about it. It's going to be great. Can't wait. So uh, we'll be there. Kyle and I will be there in person to compare our, our drafts together and to laugh about how fucking wrong we're going to be. At least that's <laughs> what I'm expecting. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm taking pictures of mine so I can pull it up that night and be like, yep, it goes out the window. Yep, there goes it out the window. And oh, it's probably going to get screwed sure. up. It's going to get screwed up stuff. after pick number two. It all goes downhill after that because I feel they're going to trade there. 
I mean, pick number three. Yeah, I, think gonna, I think I'm going to type mine out on uh, like my notes app and just kind of go mm-hmm. down the checklist of right and wrong and go from there. Yeah, it's going to be a good time, though. Absolutely. Can't <laughs> wait. All right, everybody. Uh, we are have been going for two hours, and that's perfect. Uh, thank you for anybody that joined us. Thanks for the people that communicated this and that. I am going to upload this episode to uh, Podbean in a, in a short while. So everybody out there can get a, get a chance to listen to it. And that's that. I got nothing else. Nothing for me, man. Have a great night. I'll talk to you later. All right, man. Sounds good. See you. Later.